Chairperson Butelezu, can you switch on your mic? I've muted everyone else. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Honorable Maswangai. Where is Honorable Karim? I can see Honorable Butelezu is there. And where is Honorable Shlengwa and Mahlangu? Honorable Shlengwa was uh, experiencing connection problem. IT is busy with him. Honorable Karim is already here, Chair. Um, I'm I'm unmuted. Eh? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Chair. Thank you so much. I I have I have the the presentation in front of me, as it were. Yeah. National Treasure. Okay. Uh, good good after good afternoon, uh, Joe. Mm. Hey, how are you? Fine. Can you chair the meetings then? No, no, we are already chairing. Continue. How well? If you now chair this meeting. <laughs> continue, continue. The traditional leader. <laughs> from, from the north, eh? No, from Emasabati. Uh, <laughs> no, no con, con, continue, Joe. Eunice, where are you? Sangwa is present. I, I was having difficulties, but I sorted them out. No problem. I'm here. Okay, you're welcome, Sangwa. And uh, where's Comrade oh. Unit Karim? I'm here, Comrade Joe. I'm very much here. I got here at 12.32. Okay. <laughs> Honorable Sangwa, good afternoon. We'll tell you here. We'll Honorable Sangwa, where are you? I have seen Honorable Sangu Chaperson, uh, but I will give you a call now. Now, okay, try to assist. Um, so it's treasure. Yes, I've seen uh, a person, uh, representative from Treasury. I've put on screen the agenda of today, Chair. Who will be briefing us, Treasury? Um, good afternoon, honorable members, and this is Dondo. I'm, I'm online. Good afternoon, DG. Good afternoon, Chair. Mm-hmm. How are you? How are you? Welcome. No, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm fine under uh, these circumstances. <laughs> just just so that you know, Sars is also online. This is Edward Kiesvetter. Just just let you know that Sheikh Imam, I'm on board. What? Are we not getting honourable, madam? Because we have to start. I'm told there is another meeting yeah. at three. Yeah, I think let's 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 start, Chair. Uh, she'll she'll get us on the way. Okay. Uh, uh, 
uh, Chair, Chair, I'm I'm also here, but uh, there's a bit of pressure for other meetings, but we'll try and prioritize this one. This is the minister here. And, um, but I think Dondo will do the presentation, and if needs be, I'll... I'll come on, but I think he's, he's going to do most. I think Mampo in here, Dondo, as well? Yes, everyone is here. Edgar, Tepiso, Mampo, everyone is here. Okay, what we'll do, we'll do the opening welcome, apologies, request the minister to make a, a political opening statement. Okay. And uh, yeah, uh, can we start? Uh, welcome everybody. Let me take this opportunity to welcome my colleagues, uh, Honorable Butelezi uh, Shende, Honorable Matlangu, Honorable Eunice Karim, Honorable Chairperson Lengwa. Welcome all members of uh, standing and select uh, committees of uh, both, both houses. Uh, NA and NCO. Uh, this is a meeting to get a briefing from the minister and his team about uh, the financial implications of uh, COVID-19 on the economy and the budget. Uh, you are all welcome and the meeting is officially open. Uh, let's move Thank to you. the second Apologies. Ululeko uh, uh, Alan uh, and other secretaries, do we have uh, apologies? Um, uh, it's Nkululeko on the side, Chair. The only apology we have is from uh, Honorable Mkiva. Uh, he might join us um, later on as he's experiencing connection problem. That's the only apology I have on my side, Chair. Okay. Alan, any apology? Uh, Chair from Standing Committee on Finance, none. I also didn't receive anything, Chair, from the Standing oh. Committee on Finance. Okay. Good afternoon, Co-Chairperson. No apologies. No apologies from Standing Committee on Appropriations. Um, it's just Ms. Tikhala is still struggling with connectivity, but she will join. Thank you. And Silek? Chairperson, Kulego Shlengwe here. The, just two apologies from Scopus, the Honorable Machau. And the uh, Honourable Lise is having connection problems. He will join the meeting shortly.
Hai, siapa sembang suang kahanya? Chaperson Buchelez, we seem to have lost uh, Chaperson Maswangani. Unmute your mic, Chaperson Buchelez. Can, can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. Good afternoon, honorable members. I, I, I can see honorable Masonga is, is, is trying to connect. He's calling on the other side. But I think let's, let's, let's proceed with the, with the, 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 the agenda. As the honorable uh, uh, Masonga has said, we'll request the, the, the Minister of Finance to uh, give an opening and then uh, he, will, he will then proceed with his, uh, with his team. Uh, honorable Minister of Finance. Um, good afternoon, uh, colleagues. Um, I think that uh, we're all aware that uh, we face a tremendous challenge with respect to the coronavirus and its impact on the economy and the finances. Um, and as you know, before the the crisis hit, we were already under severe uh, stress on the economy and the advent of the coronavirus has uh, made the situation more, uh, more severe. Um, and as you know, there have been various revisions uh, to the growth focus, uh, both at the global level uh, the continental level, but more importantly, domestically here in South Africa, which the Treasury team will go through. Uh, but needless to say that the uh, in 2020, we see a very sharp downturn uh, in the economy, according to various uh, focuses, and the sharp downturn uh, um, uh, has the potential to have a sharp upturn, almost in a V-shape like fashion, if we do things quite correctly. Um, and that's a challenge that we have, uh, how to do things correctly. Inflation, as they will indicate, remains fairly low. Uh, but I think for the purpose of this meeting is uh, uh, the fact that they uh, locked down as a uh, basically brought economic activity standstill. Um, and that, by its very nature, means that uh, we have not been in a position to collect any revenue uh, during this process. And yet the pressure on the expenditure side has been, uh, has been there. And so this poses very serious problems for us. And one of the difficult psychological issues that I have is that um, when we announce, for example, say the uh, 500 billion um, rand interventions, uh, there are people who think that there's 500 billion rand in the bank that is there already, it might just be spent, which is far from the truth. Um, these are interventions that uh, uh, depend as well on, you know, the inflow of revenue um, directed, as we mentioned, 
the National Credit Guarantee Scheme that has been activated now, I think, as of yesterday, um, and other interventions, uh, various programs to uh, borrow from international organizations um, where we can find favorable interest rates um, uh, or no interest rates at all, which is very difficult to find. Um, uh, and one of the issues is, for example, at the IMF window, um, the lower income countries can uh, approach the IMF at zero percent. And we are a middle income country, and by yesterday, it's becoming clear that we don't qualify for a zero percent interest rate. So um, we have to keep looking around and see where we can find favorable terms. So all in all, I think uh, for our purpose, I suppose, uh, 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 Mr. Chairman, Honorable Chair, <clears throat> is that um, um, we have to uh, uh, appeal to Parliament to pass the appropriation bill as presented in Parliament with the full understanding that uh, we will need to prepare a supplementary budget um, uh, to present, which has to consolidate all these expenditure levels we need to do. Uh, as it is, um, Dondo, myself, and the team are reeling under pressure uh, as to what we need to do for the land bank. And uh, although we're not in a position to discuss that today, but it's an issue that is um, facing us. Um, in the eye, as it were. So we under tremendous pressure, a lot of expenditure requirements, no uh, uh, tax revenues. You'll see when the officials present on the tax position that we're really in a very serious bind. Um, and um, uh, we have to find a way to contain expenditure whilst uh, not inhibiting the growth enhancing parts of the economy as soon as the, uh, the lockdown is, is, is out. Uh, um, I think, uh, Dondo, as you make the presentation, I think you do it on the basis that um, uh, this is an open <laughs> forum. So let's don't say anything that might sound confidential secret because the other um, uh, committees is that when we appear before a committee of parliament, I mean, that's a public... Uh, um, uh, platform. It's not a confidential platform. So we proceed on understanding that this is a public platform to avoid any uh, complications uh, into the future. Uh, Honorable Chair, I think that's all I can say for now, but thank you very much again for affording us the opportunity to exchange ideas with you. Uh, our voices are going to sound a little bit different to the usual because we've been in too many meetings and uh, we've been been a lot of talking, so uh, we come to you with a uh, hoarse voices, but hopefully you can hear us. Uh, nevertheless, <clears throat> thank you very much indeed. I hand over to you, Honourable Chair. Thank, thank you so much, uh, Minister. Um, so uh, please uh, indicate uh, who is going to talk in your team, Director General. Uh, DG, DG, I think it's. D is DG is going to talk, but there's a, a number of them, I think, but DG is going to be uh, indicating who is going to speak at what point. But I think he's going to start, yeah. and, uh, and then you'll indicate who else comes uh, 
in the choreography which they have organized. Thank you. Well, thank you very thank much, you. Minister. Thank you very much, Chair. And good afternoon to honourable members. And thank you very much for inviting us and have the opportunity to present uh, this to you. I must just indicate, Chair, that over and above the slides that are that are in front of us, we also send honourable members and we also release this document that is a bit detailed in terms of some of the narrative around this. So it is available everywhere. It's available on the website. So I will start with slide. Minister indicated, just make some preliminary remarks. Let me start with slide number four, uh, just to characterize this environment and the situation where we are at at this point in time, um, in terms of uh, South African economic performance today. That's slide number four. We tried in this slide to show on our members how we have viewed South Africa from the 1960s and the challenges that we are in, um, including the impact lately in AAW9 that we are all familiar with, which was a global financial crisis. And we also thought this was the, was the worst area for post-94 uh, you know, environment. But you can clearly see that the COVID-19 pandemic is more severe than any other, um, you know, uh, in, in the last 60 years, COVID-19 will hit the worst in terms of uh, our economy. And you can see there where the prediction is minus 6.4%. What then in slide number five are drivers of the declining growth trend? And what are the structural faults that are some of them obvious, we know about them, and we just want to bring them so that you put in context what you're going to be talking about. Firstly, poor educational outcomes that perpetuate inherent disadvantage, low levels of labor intensive growth, the economy, as you know, skills constraint, partial fragmentation of the urban landscape and travel costs, highly concentrated industrial structures that limit competition and high barriers to entry. We've got a lot of inefficient monopolies that impose a very high cost structure on the network infrastructure that we have. Low swings in commodity prices, and it's worse now in the downgrade phase that we find ourselves in now. There's a collapse in consumer and business evidence demonstrating a clear <clears throat> contraction in private investment and consumption. And we're saying there that the current contrangent is defined by the interaction of all of these elements. ...that impose a very high cost structure on the network structure that we have. Low swings in commodity prices. Okay, I don't... Are we crossing lines? I don't know. ...that we are now. Hello, Honorable... Teach you just a second. Private investment and consumption. And we're saying that the current contract is defined by the interest. I think there's someone recording. What I suggest, Chair, can we request that everyone mutes their, their phones or their devices? Honourable members, 
Honorable members, please mute your, your devices, please. There's uh, interference with the presentation by the Director General. Please. Okay, Going continue, DJ. Going to slide number six. We say then there are much needed reforms and they remain relevant now and in the future uh, around the telecoms, around the transport, around tourism, where we need to, in the telecom space, ensure that we finalize the digital migration, finalize the spectrum release, and re leverage the private sector for broadband to reduce cost of doing business. We've been saying this. Uh, and some uh, as listed in the transport and tourism space. These are some of the things we said previously. They still remain relevant, including agricultural interventions and dealing with some of the barriers to entry that are listed in slide number seven. Now, the shock that we are in currently is not only a health crisis. Obviously, that yet uh, there's also the domestic economy as we know it now that has stopped it's also a global economy that has stopped because there's no trade there's no interaction there's nothing out there as you know and also there is a slow systemic collapse in accessing capital markets and you'll see that as we demonstrate later the cost of borrowing we are thinking dealing with the health shock we think it's important that the health of South African comes first. And I think that's what we saw now um, in, in terms of uh, the, the president's uh, you know, various briefings to the nation and how serious this health shock has been attended to. And I think it's something that we should continue doing that in a way that we, we don't have to uh, take it lightly. Secondly, uh, we have the view that an early lockdown was the right decision, but obviously it has got serious domestic economic implications. And therefore we need some measures in the short and medium and long term to deal with the supply shock that obviously our economy is experiencing. There's also a demand shock, a collapse in the global economy, reduces foreign income and exports, and tourism, as you know, now is affected as the tourism sector is completely dead as we speak. We should then focus our economic, we should focus our response to affected industries as we think beyond COVID-19. And also the point I made that the global financial system obviously has, uh, you know, it's on its knees almost, where uh, has been, we have seen record outflows from South Africa and peer countries like ours. And we therefore need to come up with other measures to support capital markets. And I think it's important, again, in terms of a, 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 a comprehensive response, whether from fiscal policy point of view, monetary policy point of view, we have to take into account that all of these shocks, one way or the other, have to be dealt with. Um, <clears throat> there are various channels in slide number nine that uh, you know South Africa will be affected by this COVID-19. We've seen rising liquidations, and they are going to come through. We have seen increased risk of workers put on short-term or retrenchment due to lack of demand. Many restaurants are already closed down. Many puzzle shops have already closed down. Everything is almost uh, coming to a standstill in, in terms of the impact that COVID-19 has. There's disruptions in the global supply chains. There's changes to consumer spending. We've seen that. 
rising expenditure on medical services and lower spending on durables and semi-durables. And this is a trend that's going to be with us for a while. The slowing consumer spending due to lockdowns, substantial disruptions to international travel, and this market sentiment compiled by slow economy recovery. And obviously, with the new oil war that we saw, where at some point a barrel of you know, oil was almost nothing in the last week or so. There is definitely potential impact in the South African economy. Slide number 10. Whether you're looking at it from a business point of view, from labor or government, including the poor, and that clearly something had to be done. Um, in the short term, we'll see some retrenchments. Especially this is going to impact more on low and medium skills and those in informal settlement, I mean informal employment. There's obviously falling demand for durables, as I said, personal services, retail, recreation and restaurants, business loss production due to sick leave and quarantines, public transport losses. There are no taxis running frequently, as we understand, as we know, as we've seen. Trains are not running, including buses. So, again, there's impact on the business. The public health system is at full capacity now in terms of trying to address the challenges coming from the COVID-19. And we expect that this definitely will lead to higher mortality rates. That will be a, uh, that is exacerbated by underlying disease. Again, the poor are going to find it very, very difficult to recover from the outbreak due to, low, due to low accumulated savings and also the impact of what essentially is going to be funeral costs if there's loss of life later on and uh, including uh, you know, loss of breadwinner income. Now, coming to government, we will uh, begin to see our public finances becoming unsustainable in terms of what we have to address and resources that we have to make, we make it, be made available. We'll have to see some reprioritizing re towards health, and we'll also have to see some spending uh, being reduced in some of the priority areas. That's why the minister was saying it's important that SEs will then request with understanding that can happen as soon as possible, that the appropriation bills are passed so that we can immediately start putting a revised budget together. That takes into account some of the issues that we have experienced to date and some of the reprioritizing that are necessary and with some of the interventions. Now, slide 11 is very important because it's also talking about, okay, if we had time overnight, we would have increased, uh, you know, included this, uh, the, the latest S&P downgrade in this slide. We didn't take that into account as you know, it happened overnight. So, Again, you, you can see where we are at with various rating agencies and, and clearly and then the reasons are outlined. But the next slide is more important, which is slide number 12, that where, what are our rating strengths? What are, everyone is saying we've got an independent monetary policy, which is a plus for us, well-capitalized banking sector, flexible exchange rates. We rely low, our land is very low on foreign currency funding. We've got deep local markets. We've got the sustained strength of co-institutions such as the Judiciary and the Reserve Bank. We've got strong and transparent macroeconomic policy institutions. And uh, we've got a favorable government debt structure. And that obviously one expect that may change. But what DG? are the weaknesses? DG? Hello? 
Just a, just a second. Uh, I'm on here. The I I'm I'm in a different slide from which from one that you are you are talking to. Uh, the slide that I'm on is much needed reforms which remain relevant. Can we um, uh, go with the DG as far as the slides are concerned, please? Yes, Chair. Someone took control of, 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 of the slides. I'm not too sure. I thought it was from DG's office. Um, can I request that people leave the slide as they are um, in control of the slides, Chair? Okay, DG, can, can, can we then go to slide number 12, please? Is it on slide 12 now, Chair? Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yes, okay, that's yes, fine. I've got someone who help me with slide I'm on 12 now. I was saying Tichi, Tichi, Tichi. Hello, sir. Yeah, just, just leave the controller to deal with the slides, eh? Yes. So, so yeah, from, from the, the controller, not, not from your side. Thank you very much. So thank you. Rating, rating weaknesses, low per capita income, don't save as a nation. Low investment rate, low GDP growth rates, deteriorating government finances, and that is demonstrated now. Social and political divisions that hamper reform progress, generate policy uncertainty. These are things that rating agents say about ourselves, by the way. It's not, it's not even our own rating here. Structural economic bottlenecks that limit growth potential and employment. The weak balance sheet of student companies and its impact. Rising contingent liability and default. Rising social tension due to extremely high inequality. And there are certain things that we if we do, if we do properly, we can we can lead to us to, to some to to to, to, to uh, upgrading and, and stable outlook, which is formulation of a clear and credible part to stabilizing the government debt GDP ratio over the medium term. And if we have to just do what we commit to ourselves, which is uh, implementing some of the reforms that we say are critical, and if we do those will be fine if we reduce SOC guarantee exposure and finally if there's substantial improvement in the economic out growth outlook and some that we have to focus on. What could lead to further downgrades? And you saw SNP acted last night, failure to stabilize debt to GDP over the medium term. I mean clearly when we say we are going to borrow more to address some of our challenges, that on its own changes the debt to GDP ratio. We have not been implementing reforms as government that is said we should. Uh, there's a deterioration of our GDP growth. Debt is rising and there's increased vulnerability uh, from the current account and external division and external financing needs. I'm now going to slide number 13. And then in slide, slide number 13, basically showing you the impact um, uh, you know, in, around various sectors. Uh, and again, where the severe decline because of where we are at, because of the downgrade and COVID crisis, you can see essentially the alcoholic beverage and tobacco industry will be severely impacted. And there may even be huge declines. The wood and wood products, tires and rubber products, construction, accommodation, catering. And again, you can look at, at, at the percentage decline in others. So basically, we're trying to show. Uh, uh, you know, the committee around the impact that COVID-19 and the downgrades have on us. Same information depicted differently here in terms of the contribution by, by different sectors and the impact thereof. You can see 
general, uh, you know, a construction uh, is likely, you know, you know, going to experience that they say it will be hit more compared to the others, uh, including, uh, you know, manufacturing, uh, including finance, real estate, and business services indicated there. So again, that's straightforward. I'm not going to go down. I mean, explain more than that. Chair, it's honorable Hadeb, upon you being charged of the slides, uh, it, it has disappeared on our screens. I'm not sure whether I'm the only one who can't see the slides. Yeah, I. Let's, uh, can you please get back the slides? Um, I had just written to, to them saying that I don't see the slides again. So can you please... Uh, have the slides again. Yes. Uh, th thanks, Honorable uh, Hadebe. Thank you. Yes, Chair. Someone keeps on taking this, the slides from me, Chair. It's gone again. I'm not too sure it's by mistake or what. So it's, it's it can only be between yourself and National Treasury, is it not so? Do we have the subcommittee sending the slides presentation to the emails of members? Come again. Can't we have members receiving the slides? In the from their gadgets instead of having to have it here because this is gonna just delay us unnecessarily. Okay, a DG, 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 yeah, can can you can you send the slides to the uh, um, to the secretaries of the committees so that they can send the uh, the slides to to the honourable members? Eh? Chair, chair. Send the slides the honorable chair. chair. Yes, yes. Honorable chair. chair. Uh, it's yes. We, we, we have received. Yeah, we have received the the slides, chair. We can use both. We okay, have received the slides. Thank you. Okay, check check your inboxes, uh, honorable members. Um, but again, from the from from the teacher's side and, uh, and and the controller there, please can you make sure that only one person controls the slides. Yes, okay. Chair, no, we should do that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm now going quickly again with the impact of the downgrades. Slide 16 spells out... One slide shows, 16. Yeah, it's same information, but shows differently in terms of the impact of, of, of the to various sectors. And, and what, what exactly that, that has. Slide number 17 shows uh, economic impact or, and crisis on tax revenues. If you look at all the scenarios, there's clearly going to be huge impact uh, currently. And I'll, I'll go back to this later on in the presentation. In terms of how we view this thing, uh, slide number 18 of getting quickly out of the COVID-19 crisis and downgrade, we think if there's a quick containment, the economy can bounce back quickly. If the pandemic really? takes longer to contain, Hello. the economy is going to be slower. Yep. Bradley, I'm connected now. Um, oh. The email, okay. the email um, I, I still haven't connected on my laptop, uh, but I've managed to connect on my iPad. Okay. All right. Thanks. For
Thank you, Mr. Lee, for muting the phone on the Conlade gadget. Thank you. The pandemic, if, if the pandemic, pandemic endures longer and the recovery after is spread over a longer period than in a slow scenario, then obviously we're going to see the economic impact you know, uh, you know, continuing and to really impact on many, many a sectors. So again, we are characterizing these challenges and understanding, and we did a more, whole lot of modeling around all of the same areas and understanding where we are at in order for us to come up with measures that are directed and measures that can really make interventions to actually impact on what we are trying to do, which is addressing the impact on the poor and also trying to see what quick fixes we can put in place for the economy to recover. Slide 20 simply just puts to the committee about what different scenarios mean uh, in terms of GDP growth. If it's quick, the impact is going to be shorter, and uh, if it's slow, and if it's longer, the impact is going to be huge. So again, we've done those calculations, trying to suggest to the uh, committee that we have to understand the characterization of the challenges that we're in. Slide number 21 uh, explains the same in terms of um, looking at employment, again, looking at it in terms of quickly and slower and longer, if the impact, if you look at construction, for instance, construction we know is highly impacted, manufacturing is highly impacted, and if the situation is going to be longer, the percentage change again is going to increase by just looking at the graph on the right is slide number 21. So again, this is clear. I don't go into detail on this. Same as slide 22 and slide 23, slide 24. Now, Chair, the overview, which is uh, the slide 27, I think, you know, let's characterize where we are at. After analyzing the economy and the challenges, the impact in various sectors, what then do we do? Analysis here is that the pandemic obviously has got far-reaching global economic impact. And secondly, that if we don't prioritize health for South Africans, we're going to be found wanting. The immediate priority, therefore, is to support economic activity in the long term and plan for it, which is important and also make sure that we alleviate hardship. Second bullet there, we have adopted a risk-adjusted approach for reopening the economy in a way that we did, with the initial easing of lockdown measures as of May, 1st of May, and what's needed over the next 18 months in order for us to address the health crisis and resolve the challenges that we're in. In characterizing the challenges that we're in, Government has put together a package of about 500 billion. We're saying the total size of the package is estimated at around a trillion. Why do we say a trillion? Not necessarily a trillion, but if you count every intervention, whether you're looking at the monetary and financial market interventions, or whether you are looking at the interventions that you have to make, that obviously comes to any amount almost to a trillion, 800 to a trillion. So it's important that we understand that context, that in the next few months, we have to do a special adjustment that will set all of these 
proposals in proper perspective and for committees in parliament and parliament as a whole to interact with. And the whole idea would be to wanting to stabilize public finances. Over the longer term, we cannot only merely return the economy to where it was before the pandemic. It's going to be difficult. Uh, and it's, not going, it's going to be long, it's going to be tough, and it's not going to be easy. We therefore have to forge a new economy in a new global uh, reality. And this will require a new, I'm saying, I'm exercising, emphasizing new, a new social compact between business, community, labor, and government. And we have to implement far-reaching reforms to enable millions of South Africans to participate in building a more productive and prosperous society. And we have to step up our efforts <laughs> to promote industrialization and also overhaul our state-owned companies. Uh, as we all know that most of them, if not all, are in severe financial situation. They're in, they're, they're in trouble, actually, most of them. So it's important that as we get into the rest of this presentation, understand that uh, the, 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 the challenge is going to be how do we do that and how quick do we do that and what kind of uh, a social contract and compact do we have to agree? A new one, which actually we have to redefine the new way of doing business, etc. I am now going to slide number 28. And slide number 28 basically compares ourselves with other G20 countries and what they did in terms of trying to um, uh, you know, uh, support uh, you know, their own economies as a result of the impact of, of COVID. In our case, it's COVID and, and downgrades, as I said. In our 500 billion, we are combining the revenue and expenditure measures, including a loan guarantee, and I'll talk to that later. And all of this come to about 10% of GDP, which is uh, just above some of the countries that we see there. So again, this just for illustrative purposes in terms of what, what we have to do. There are some short-term interventions that are critical that inform our approach as government in terms of uh, supporting uh, the, the economy and supporting uh, the poor. Firstly, and far most of importance was to support healthcare. And as a result, you will see healthcare spending increases across the board. Um, and will obviously include more support to mass testing and tracing. And we'll also started by making sure that we streamline and fast track the procurement uh, on the procurement front so that we can deal with uh, you know, the, the, the support that's needed in the health sector. Secondly, we thought it's important that we relieve hunger and distress that may normally uh, would not have been there uh, at this uh, level because we have seen that increasing many folds. So we expanded the grants, uh, top up. We have uh, also ensured that the, you know, we, we extend the social relief of distress to target uh, many, many people. And we'll talk to that later. And we also wanted to support companies that may be in distress. And that's where the scheme of 200 billion comes in, where we support employment relief schemes. There are some tax deferrals that we actually uh, and, and postpone some major taxes, including carbon tax by a couple of months. And the loan guarantee to firms. And the loan guarantees to them to ensure that 
firms don't close and also ensure that jobs are not lost in the process. As another measure, we thought it's important to spell out uh, you know, phases in e opening up the economy after lockdown and where we have to take appropriate steps that takes into account health and economic considerations and supporting what may be structural constraints moving forward. We've also seen uh, the bank, the Reserve Bank, making some interventions in ensuring that there are repo rate reductions, also in ensuring that we um, <clears throat> there's some regulatory measures that are obviously changed, including uh, you know, financial sector support. Uh, in, uh, you know, and among many, a measure that the bank uh, advanced in a way where, again, we are easing the cost uh, of business and the cost of, of that, that communities and societies as a whole will incur. This slide, this global economic environment, and I'm not going to spend too much on it, which is slide 30. Slide 31 basically characterizes how then with all of this, do we see um, the, you know, our own economic outlook? And those are some of the factors that we characterize our challenge and see ourselves where we are at. And again, I just speak to most of these points, and I'm not going to repeat those. A coordinated, in slide number 32, a coordinated three-phased approach to support employment investment is needed and we kind of said it's important that we see ourselves in the first phase which is up to the next months where we're preserving what we have at least so that things don't collapse to a point where it's going to be almost difficult to actually turn around and this is all by the way based on how long we contain the virus or how long you ensure that uh, uh, the, the infections do not uh, increase. Health spend increases materially to contain pandemic. We are doing that. We're supporting households. We are providing fiscal support to, uh, and allow the deficit to rise as economic activity declines. As I said, we are phasing down, uh, you know, being faced conclusion of lockdown and some interventions. Now, in the next six to 12 months, we have to continue with it and we are going to continue with some health responses, and we have to shift our economy to supporting employment and invest to bolster recovery as the restrictions on domestic to ease and global growth returns, and implement significant, underline that, significant fiscal reprioritization and necessary, and obviously in the next year to 18 months, we have to position our economy to structural high growth. Now, this obviously will change where maybe the preservation of what we want to do can come much earlier, can be extended beyond, and the recovery may take longer. But this is ideally what we would have preferred, that we preserve what we have, ensure that we recover from the impact that we face, and then really position ourselves to ensuring that we, we actually make the economy to grow higher. We did mention what is then the package of 500 interventions. This is slide number 33. And again, it's a slide that we have put together to ensure that we kind of understand uh, what, what, what are we talking about here. The president announced some of these measures where there's a credit guarantee scheme of 
200 billion. Basically, here saying we are guaranteeing banks, South African banks, to actually advance very cheap loans, call it that for now, to banks in order for them to continue businesses to operate. Secondly, we are putting aside interventions worth 100 billion that will support creation, that will support SMEs and informal business to thrive to thrive in this environment. There are also measures that we actually introduced, mainly as a result of tax measures that we introduced, that uh, ensures again that this I kept running for people to be, it's all about the people here and ensuring that as much as businesses thrive, we're able to have production lines continuing and also get people employed and, and to keep uh, you know, the livelihoods of South Africans intact. Putting aside 50 billion rent support over and above what we're spending on grants. Next, I think we're spending next to 120 billion or so in social grants. So this is over and above. And again, simply we're saying we're supporting, chopping up the child support grants and other grant types. And we're also making some interventions on, on, on the unemployed and, and the most vulnerable. There's also wage protection measures uh, uh, of about 40 billion, including uh, you know two critical areas, and we are in discussion in terms of how and what exactly is this uh, uh, you know going to be like. Well, saying health will need more and frontline services, 20 billion rand, and support to municipalities. Now, support to municipalities in our discussions with the premiers uh, a few weeks ago with the the PCC level it was very clear that that. Previous, when highlighting the importance of recognizing that some municipalities will be affected in a big way, where rates and taxes are going to be um, uh, paid because people are out of jobs and as a result, it's going to be difficult. So, by just noting and recognizing that, that we have to think about municipalities and the impact. So, obviously, uh, we will be watching that very close in terms of the spending areas of all of these. Um, of all of these, uh, you know, spending items that you that you obviously, where's the money going to come from? Um, you know, we're saying the guarantee scheme is self-explanatory. Then we are increasing our contingent liabilities by 200 billion. Our wish is to ensure that we reprioritize bro, bro, provincial budgets and national budgets by about 130 billion, 100 billion from national departments and 30 from provinces. Uh, to committees, I must hasten to say that this area is not the easiest of them all to do. As you can imagine, some budgets have been fixed, some contracts have been entered into. So this is going to be very, very difficult. But we will, we will attempt to actually make sure that we reprioritize. We all know that currently we are in Pretoria. That means there's some saving to the airline tickets that are supposed to buy and the accommodation in Cape Town, etc., if, if, if one doesn't have accommodation in Cape Town. There are some advertising budgets which obviously uh, will revise down. Some consultancy budgets will revise down. It's not going to be enough, but we have to obviously look into ensuring that we delay implementation of some of the key big projects. And this we will expect uh, to, for these kind of what exactly we are delaying to come through in the revised budget or supplementary budget that Minister was talking about. So it's important that we approach this very carefully. 
because we have to, and departments are being told this, it cannot be business as usual. COVID is here and it's coupled with repositioning the South African economy. So again, uh, spending is going to have to be reprioritized in a big way. So part of funding this package will come from uh, uh, internal resources. We will, over and above the numbers that we have, as per the budget 2019, we'll have to increase our borrowings uh, to multilateral finance institutions and development banks and business support. So all of that is about 95 billion. Let me break it down so that we, we transparency prevails all along. 4.2 billion rent will come through from the IMF. If we have to successfully discuss, we'll, we'll get we'll get 4.2 billion. Now this was after the IMF, which was one of the um, you know uh, intermediate finance committee that we are part of in the IMFC at the spring meetings last two weeks ago or ten days ago, that the IMF agreed and came up with this package of support or various packages of support that are COVID-19 related. So then they made this package available to countries like ours, as Minister said. The facility that is available to us is called Rapid Financing Instrument. It's, um, it's a facility that attracts um, some interest of 1.1%. There are also facilities that attract other zero-interest extended credit financing facilities for low-income countries. Those facilities attract 0%. Secondly, it's a new development bank, 1 billion rand. And thirdly, it's the World Bank, uh, uh, you know, they made a provision for South Africa of $50 million insofar as health is concerned. Now, when you add that and you convert all of that in terms of today's exchange rates, you'll come to about 95 billion rand. Um, again, there will be some additional transfers from social security funds, in particular the UIF of 60 billion. And there's some 50 billion from available funds in the Department of Social Development 2021 appropriation. This came obviously after we decided as a quick intervention in the last two days of the last financial year to bring the to bring the the, the spending that would have been accounted for in 2021 and bring it forward to 20 to 1920 as a result, uh, increasing the increasing the the, the you know overspending for 1920 financial year, which in a different process will come to the appropriations committee to explain ourselves for that. So, but for the purpose of this conversation, I'm just, uh, you know, pulling together all the resources that makes up the 500 billion. We've done that and the next slide chair explains exactly that, what I said earlier on, uh, in terms of um, uh, you know, funding from multilateral development banks and including the IMF. There are some risks, obviously, because every country, many countries are competing for this. If you go to chair, we don't have that list here, but if one has to do a basic desktop research, you'll see that many countries in the world have approached both the World Bank and the IMF and the NDB, I mean, not NDB because it's only for these five countries, including African Development Bank uh, for support one way or the other because of the impact of, of COVID. In our case, we obviously, you know, we've approached, and there will obviously be general covenants and agreements, uh, and then that, and we need to interrogate that at the, the later stage. Chair, there are some tax policy measures, and I'm going to ask uh, Momonia to talk to these. 
and in slide number is colleagues can prepare themselves. Omonia will speak to slide number 36. And you will, uh, you know, and Sepiso can speak to size slide number 38. And then I will then ask Mary Jane to speak to slide number 40. And, and Momo then will come back to sl from slide 41 again. So let's start with Momo, uh, Minister and, and Chair, if, if, with your permission for Momo just to talk to slide number 36. DG. 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 You have got 15 minutes to finish everything so that you know that we have got yes. a deadline of, uh, of uh, 3 o'clock. So, honourable members would still would, would still like to to interact with you. So, can we yes, please and try and fast check that? Thank you. Okay, okay. Thanks, Chair uh, and DG. Um, so, just on this slide, you see the tax measures. What we've done is um, uh, we, we published two rounds of COVID nineteen tax measures. Um, and I'll just give you the overall approach. So we took the employment tax and, and the approach has been to take some liquidity measures uh, through deferrals. So where a company is supposed to pay some of its tax liabilities or like uh, when it deducts PAYE, it's able to then actually keep some of that money to use it to hopefully pay salaries and its suppliers and so on. Um, we've also taken measures. Some of them are impact on revenue, as you can see from the slide. Um, so we've taken the employment tax incentive and we've increased it again to pay up to 750 rand to all employees with an income below 6,500 rands. Remember that in normal times, it's only between um, 18 to, to 29 years. It's now extended to all ages who fall within that, that salary bracket. We've taken, we've allowed deferral again of 35% of, of PAYE. Uh, again, we're doing this for four months. A company can hold that, uh, 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 those deductions, 35% of it. Um, uh, we've also given a four-month contribution holiday for the skills development levy. We've allowed a deferral for excise duty on alcohol and tobacco. These companies face these excise duties up front before sales. And given that there's no sales, uh, there's no, we can't really expect excise duty to be paid uh, at this point. Uh, we've also allowed a three-month deferral for the first payment on the carbon tax, which will be now in September. And then we've also allowed for case-by-case -case deferrals because many of these measures apply to small businesses with a certain turnover, uh, but but where there are such limits, we, we do get companies to talk to SARS directly on a case-by-case -case basis. Underlying these measures is the fact that we want to retain the productive capacity of the economy. We want to make sure that companies go insolvent or have liquidity problems. 
and cannot make payments for salaries. So that's been the measure that we've done. Bear in mind that the tax uh, system works on an annual basis. So some of those funds will be paid later and we've allowed for uh, a kind of reasonable basis for such payment. And what we've done is like all tax measures, we've published a disaster management tax money bill and administration bills. And these uh, will incorporate these changes. And we did a presentation to the Standing Committee on Finance uh, last week on some of those proposals. We do have to update the bills, but on, our, on the Treasury website, you can get much more detail, both on the presentation we made and on an explanatory note to provide further information to taxpayers. If you look at, and just to end off, you can see the totals then. The 70 billion then in measures is comprised of 44 billion, which are liquidity measures, which is in effect like an interest-free loan from the state. And uh, the revenue uh, impact of some of the proposals are spelled out, totaling 26 billion, giving you a total of 70 billion. TG, I'm done. Can you also talk to the loan guarantee for the credit scheme, please? Roy, do you want to come in? Roy, in. I'm, I'm not sure. He is here. He is here. Oh, okay. Thank you. Roy? Thank you. Um, which I think is a very important way of supporting uh, small and medium enterprises. Um, it will make available 200 billion in new loans. Um, it will be applicable for businesses of annual return of less than 300 million, um, which are in good standing with commercial banks. Um, you can borrow it for. Com and um, loans. One loan we offer. Importantly, there is a six month repayment holiday. From the drawdown, although it will accumulate. Um, so people are not required to pay interest for six months on these loans. And then, you know, interest and capital repayments will start over these six months. And then businesses have a maximum of um, 60 months um, to repay the loan. Moving on to the next slide. Yeah. The Reserve Bank has, uh, sorry, on the next slide, the Reserve Bank has, um, at the same time, unveiled a monetary and policy regulatory package, um, which will complement the fiscal package. And I think, as the Minister and the DG said at the beginning, um, it's important that um, you think of our response as being a combination of a a whole set of interventions, which include things like reducing the interest rates, so the repo rates have been reduced by 200 basis points. Uh, we've relaxed, uh, the Reserve Bank has relaxed regulatory requirements, which will allow banks to lend um, and will introduce temporary payment holidays um, to support debtors. And in addition, monetary policy is helping supporting reducing the cost of bond borrowing by providing liquidity in the bond market, um, which has helped reduce um, bond deals. Just to sort of highlight and re-emphasize, um, as the Minister also said, 
um, earlier this week and last week that this is a comprehensive macro fiscal package um, which will support um, economic growth. It's um, finished my section. Thank you very much, Jim. Two more aspects that I don't want to bring to the attention of the committee. The timing of the revised budget. Can I ask Edgar to quickly speak to the diagram that is on slide number? Let's see properly, Chair. I'm sorry. The slide, the, type, the slide that's titled Timeline for Adjustment Budget to Respond to COVID-19. Can I ask Edgar to speak to that? Yes, uh, DG, through you, uh, Chair. Um, okay, so this is, uh, it looks like a bit of a complicated slide, but what I want to focus on is um, the middle part of the slide. Um, which is the component on the parliamentary process. So as um, uh, Mr. Chair and members will be aware, we are currently at a phase where we we had tabled the budget in February, um, uh, which included the fiscal framework, the division of revenue bill, the appropriation bill, um, and of course the budget review. Fiscal framework has been adopted by Parliament. The Division of Revenue Bill has been adopted by the National Assembly, awaiting um, adoption by the National Council um, um, of Provinces. What's going to be very, very important um, for us as the DG, I think mentioned earlier, and um, uh, the Minister at the beginning in his opening remarks, is um, we... Uh, we need a as fast a, um, a, a a passage of the current bills as possible, so that um, that will allow us to get into the place where we can uh, table an adjustments budget in order to re- re- respond to um, um, to uh, to COVID. Um, so, if we can get those bills passed and out of the way, then it allows us legally to table and adjustments, which would include an adjusted appropriation bill, an adjustments appropriation bill, and uh, a division of revenue amendment bill. A big reason why this is critical is because, as members will be aware, the president um, and reiterated by the minister on Friday uh, last week, um, uh, indicated that as well as in this presentation, indicated that a substantial portion of the COVID response will be financed through reprioritization. In other words, the shifting of a total of 130 billion from existing baselines that are uh, that are there this year in the current bills, um, um, and reprioritizing that towards the COVID response. So, to the extent that um, um, that that is required it will obviously necessitate a great deal of speed um, because that will mean that a substantial change in allocations at both national um, and um, in the subnational level will be required. And we believe that we can 
get this done um, in July in terms of tabling, um, late June possibly, um, early July, we could table an adjustments budget. Uh, but we would need uh, fairly quick movement on the current bills in order to give us space to do that. Um, Chair, I will stop there. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Chair. We are done. Thank, thank, thank you, yeah, the last part, The last part, Chair, is just around procurement. We said we've eased procurement regulations to ensure that we speedily acquire masks. We've issued three sets of regulations from the beginning of this period, whereby we are all trying to ease based on circumstances and environment and time timelines. So the current, uh, you know, we're emphasizing local produced uh, products. We're saying SMEs must begin to pay in the bigger schemes. We're ensuring that uh, all of the people uh, who can provide these things should provide them with speed and agency as per the requirements of the health standards and the World Health Organization. All of that is in place. And finally, the monitoring of thereof is going to be critical. We are going to be meeting with all CFOs of government departments tomorrow to actually lay out the reporting and accountability timeline for COVID-19-related expenditure and including the procurement process. We'll expect them on a weekly basis to report to us the whole sets of regulations, I mean, uh, processes that we agreed upon that we will be issuing out to uh, CFOs tomorrow and accounting officers to make sure that we, we align ourselves so that, this, as Minister said, there's no opportunity to really uh, misuse uh, public funds at this point in time. We will leave it at that, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, thank you, DG. Uh, <clears throat> all members, we have a, about uh, uh, 50 minutes to, to finish our, our, our meeting. Um, I'll request that uh, we, we get some areas of, 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 of clarification. Obviously, we have, we have five committees, uh, uh, committees here and uh, uh, with the best of intention, we can't do justice to the presentation uh, by uh, the minister, the DG, and the department in general. So uh, let's deal with the, the, the most important things. We're still going to have a, a second bite to the presentations when uh, um, uh, the department come to re the respective committees. The intention of this was just for us as committees to get to know what exactly the department is doing. So uh, can members uh, <clears throat> indicate um, uh, those who want to have something, you don't need to say something today, um, <clears throat> but let's, let's, let's see. And again, we limit the, the, the time. I think if we, we can have one to one and a half minutes uh, 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 input, uh, oral members. So can, can we see the hands, please? Thanks, yes. Chair. It's Floyd. Uh, it's, it's, it's Honorable Floyd. Number two, just just hold Honorable uh, uh, Floyd. Number two. Kill Lewis. Honorable Kill Lewis. Number Jim. three. George. Tough, Come again. Roger. Honorable George. Honorable, Honorable George. Dennis Joseph. And Honorable Matafa. Come again. Honorable Zatoui. 
Okay, number five. I didn't get the name, but I'll call you number five, please, please. Number six. Number six. Number seven. Joseph. Kaiso. 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 Yes, I got that. Kaiso. Can can we can we uh, can we please uh, leave leave it at that? If we still have time, I'll take the second round of um, of 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 of, of uh, inputs. Or members, please be uh, considerate of the other members who must who, who must speak so that we can also allow National Treasury to respond. We've got a time limit of uh, fifteen hundred hours. Honourable uh, Floyd Chimambu. Honourable Floyd, please come in. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much, Chair. I hope I'm clear uh, because some of the comments were not very clear from what was said here. Yeah, I just want to can confirm. Hear, we can hear you very well. Thank you. I just want to confirm something very clear here that the 500 billion, which was announced by the president, its design is that. The only new money which is being proposed is the 95 billion which must be borrowed because the 200 billion is uh, loan guarantees, like meaning that like those who want to borrow money also can use the guarantee scheme of government for loans. And then about 130 billion is going to be budgeted, and 70 billion is tax deferments. So that those three categories already make it to be 400 billion. So what has to be borrowed is about 100 billion, and then and and it looks like in the priority list of government is to go to the IMF. Despite now a revelation which the minister was denying in public spaces before, that will be interest from the IMF, and there will be conditions. What we would want is that the national treasury must give us what are the conditionalities that are going to come with a loan from the IMF if they are pursuing that route in terms of uh, uh, these uh, interventions. Because we do not want to be in a situation we are trapped in an intergenerational debt from the IMF, which have huge impacts in the sovereignty of, of South Africa to decide its own fiscal and monetary policy interventions uh, in that regard. And, and currently, National Treasury and the ministers seem to be saying that you know, we're going to implement structural reforms. What do you mean? What exactly do you want to do when you say structural reforms? Because even amongst yourselves, there is no consensus on that economic strategy which was issued last year in terms of which areas must be looked to. There's no consistency in terms of what is articulated then in terms of distribution of spectrum of other interventions. It doesn't speak to what is broadly government policy. What exactly do you mean by structural reforms? What do you want to do, which will then change the economy in a manner to get clarity in that, in, that, in that regard? Then the other issue that we want to talk to is policies And that is problematic. If you have got imperial and apparently who are the sole procurers 
of the Solidarity Fund, which all of us have put the money in there with the hope in terms of what is essential and what is immediate and, and in a transparent and open way. Can you get clarity in terms of the status of the regulatory framework over the solidarity? Uh, and then we'll make input decision. Thank you very much, Chesha. Thanks, eh? Honorable Kalus, please, uh, can I limit you to, to, to two questions? And if you could read them in just one minute, please, thank you. No, I can't do that. Uh, I'll, I'll get the same treatment as every other member of the committee. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I appreciate that we're under a lot of pressure, but there are a lot of important issues in this presentation, and I will try to be as quick as possible. Director General, thank you for the, the effort that your team is making. Slide 23, I want to draw before, your attention to, is on, an absolute on, bombshell on, of a slide. Honorable uh, Kelus, before sorry, just before you you you, you proceed, I, I I said in in immediately after the the DG uh, that we'll still have got a second bite from the different uh, uh, committees. We've got five committees here, and I think it's fair that we uh, we try and give everybody at least an opportunity. So as long as you have got that at the back of your mind, thank you. Yes, Please, as, uh, long, as long as as long as that's applied fairly to all members, Chair. That's uh, what I'm requesting from all of you. The, the slide 23 says that you predict that between three and seven million jobs are going to be lost. Uh, that is a s quite stunning and terrifying slide. Uh, and uh, it was it was brushed over very quickly. And, and I think that, that it's, it's important to take note of that. And I just want to ask your opinion on whether you think that the more of the economy should be opened sooner to try and uh, ameliorate the effects of that devastating uh, prediction that you have published today in slide 23. Then, uh, could you please detail where the 100 billion rand in, in existing budget cuts are going to come from? You have said that there will be some savings on flights and things like that, but th that is relatively small. And you've said that 30 billion will come from provinces, but that still leaves another 100 billion. Please, please let us know where that is coming from. Then the 100 billion that you have uh, allocated to jobs and small business support, if you could please explain where that is going. Uh, we haven't heard, that's a huge sum of money. We haven't heard detail on where that is going. And if you could please update us on your progress with the unions on public sector wage cuts, because obviously those savings identified are now going to be critical. Uh, so is there an agreement? How far are you away from an agreement? And what is the nature of it? Thank you. Thank you, uh, Honorable Judge. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I won't repeat what questions my colleague, Honorable Hill Lewis, has asked, but I mean, it's very clear that um, we need to have structural reform. I mean, the IMF is going to require that if we're going to get loans. Um, but I think we need some clarity on what those structural reforms are going to be. I mean, before the economy, before the virus was even here, our economy was teetering, it was fragile, and it was about to fall over. And here we see the horrendous numbers that are coming. So I think we need to also consider, and it was completely silent on, the biggest failed intervention by governments in our economy has been black economic empowerment. And the question has to be is when is our economy going to be allowed to be as efficient as it can possibly be 
without an intervention that has not achieved its objective and is actually preventing us from growing. Then um, two very brief questions about um, the uh, relief package. On the uh, tax uh, relief, it's completely silent on salaried employees. For example, everybody that now needs to work from home because they're forced by the lockdown to do so. Um, are they going to be getting some relief for working from home, as would in other circumstances had they worked um, more than 50% of their time from home, whether those requirements are going to be relaxed so that um, hard-pressed salary earners can get some benefit from being locked up at home. And also then on the living annuities, um, we welcome the fact that there's a bit of liberalisation on that. But why can't the deductions be also reduced to zero for members who don't need the money now? Because it's completely inefficient for them to make a withdrawal, compulsory withdrawal, at or near the bottom of the market. Thank you very much. Honorable Matafa. Thank you very much, Chair. Thanks for the presentation. Thanks, uh, Minister and DG. I'm going to be very quick, Chair. On the savings, the 130 billion to be saved from provinces and municipalities, we note that most of the allocations to these sectors lie in infrastructure grants. When we say make savings there, are we not running a risk of slowing the public infrastructure program? What measures are we going to put in place to mitigate such a risk? The second one, Chair, is on the borrowing part of the one trillion. I just need to know what will it do to the government debt levels, one, and secondly, the, the guaranteed exposure as well as the debt to DGP, GDP ratio. The impact on that, I'd like to be brief on that, please. And then, Chair, still on the one trillion, I'm interested to know if whether have we used a particular model to arrive at the one trillion, or is it merely on the package of interventions that we think are required? Or was there a financial model that was used to arrive at the one trillion? Thank you. The second can I throw in the last one? Just the last one. My apologies. Maybe let me skip the rest. In terms of saving of employment, are we considering any tax reforms in order to encourage companies to endure the losses whilst in the pandemic period so that they are able maybe to claim them? in the next uh, financial run as the uh, financial position turnaround. Thank you very much, Chair. This Honorable, who I called number five, I didn't get the name very well. Please come in, Honorable Member. Honorable Liz from Scopa. Honorable Liz, you can go, oh, go oh, ahead. Honorable uh, uh, Mazambani, please come in. Uh, okay. Thank you, Sanbani, Sanbani. Scopa, Sanbani. Two questions, please, for the minister. Um, the first is the question of um, funding for SOEs. Is there any further funding going to be made available to SAA as working capital as opposed to debt financing? Um, and secondly, the, the question of the Cuban doctors, how much is that costing South Africa? And which department will have to pick up that cost? Thank you. Thank you. Um, Honourable Tutoy. 
Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, I'll be brief. Can government guarantee that government pension funds and private pension funds will be safe and not be used to, funny, to finance any initiatives that are COVID-related? On the banks, may banks refuse loans to entities and businesses? Who sets the criteria? And please provide the criteria that will be used. And lastly, please provide more information on the 200 billion for job creation, SME support, and how will it be applied for job creation? Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank, thank you so much, uh, Honorable Joseph. Thank you, Chairperson. Good afternoon. I just would like um, Treasury to um, to assist with um, all the national departments' uh, money for the next six months. It will be unspent money on international travel, oversight study tours, SNTs, domestic travels. Uh, if that national departments could return that money to to the national tre treasury itself. Um, and also provincial and local government um, that had money uh, planned for um, for the same uh, reasons uh, to the respective health departments, I think, um, re return the money to that they're not going to spend. Uh, the second one, uh, Chairperson, I would like to know what SARS and National Treasury is doing about the illegal trade on cigarettes, because government is losing a lot of money now. Um, money that that we think we are necessarily losing now, um, and of course um, um, that doesn't mean that uh, they mustn't go after these people who do illegal trade. Um, what is ours doing about that? And then the other money that we are losing over over a, a couple of years now is the online illegal online gambling. Um, that that business and world is 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 going on. Probably have slowed down with the lockdown, but. Um, there is a lot of money that goes down the drain. And in that areas, we need to get ourselves um, really on par with international standards to collect our money. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable Sheikh Imam. Can you hear me? Honorable Sheikh yes. Imam. Yes. Yes. Thank you very yes. much for that. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Treasury, for that uh, presentation. You know, a lot of what you're telling us is what we've been hearing for many, many years. Labor-intensive growth is close. We have skills constraints in the country, special planning. Now, what, are, what is it that we're going to be able to do? Because we've been complaining about this for the last 10 or 20 years, and I think it's going on for 26 years. But secondly, my problem is that you're giving 20 billion then allocated to the municipality. And you know the challenges that we've been facing in the country with over 240 billion annually lost through the procurement processes. You've already heard complaints in the media of where there's fraud and corruption, particularly there. Now you've given them 20 billion rand in terms of that, and you're talking about for the vulnerable communities. What measures are you putting in place? Why did you not have a standardized pricing, particularly for the PPEs in the country, to avoid corruption at the level that is going? And very importantly, you're talking about water licenses, and that's why I want to express my concern. My understanding is a lot of the water and water boards and licenses in the country are controlled, controlled by certain monopoly capitalists. Is that what you're telling us? Could you kindly explain what is the urgency in the water licenses that you are talking about that must be given out very, very in a short uh, space uh, of time? Lastly, you speak about the issue of alcohol and tobacco and things. What you're not saying is the benefit 
and the positive side of it in, 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 in by uh, restricting the sale of tobacco and alcohol. Krutuskir Hospital is a good example, which is empty today, over and above. It is less pressure on the police department, on the justice department, on the social development. People are living better lives, better quality of less gender-based violence, 74% in the Western Cape alone. Why don't you look at that as a part of rather than just bringing in the resources? You're bringing in 10 billion, it's costing you 100 billion at the expense of the lives of all people in the country. Thank you. Honorable, uh, thank you, Honorable Sheikh. Honorable Kaiso. Thank you, Honorable My Two questions. Firstly, is the presentation talks about a prolonged dislocation uh, of the economy. So I just want to understand from the DG, does this mean that we have to look at the fiscal and monetary policy? That's the first question. Secondly, Honorable Chair, is uh, on structural reforms. How do we assure particularly uh, public sector and public service workers that structural reforms do not necessarily imply privatization, uh, cutting of wages and salary, uh, and, and slash uh, ex uh, expenditure. So, it's just those two questions. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Thank you so much, honorable members. Uh, I'll allow the, the co-chairs, Honorable Masango, Honorable Shengwa, Honorable Yunus Karim Menur, Honorable Masangwai, um, to also uh, come in. Thank you, Chairperson uh, Mashangu. Welcome, Honorable Can Mashangu. I go on? Please do. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson, um, um, my question is on the, the first question is on the structural reforms. The President and the Finance Minister have uh, referred to the need to ensure that uh, structural reform in the post-COVID-19 recovery phase and my question, therefore, uh, in relation to this statement, is that while the economy reforms are certainly needed in many of the identified sectors, how do we assure, uh, particularly in the public sector and private sector workers, um, that structural reform do not necessarily imply privatization, cutting of wages, and uh, slashing of uh, spending. I think somehow it's related to what uh, Honorable Lewis have, uh, have, uh, have asked, though we are coming from different angles. And how is the, the government planning to stabilize the economy, further reducing uh, borrowing costs, stabilizing the exchange rate, and imposing measures to limit... Um, money live in South Africa. My last part of the question, Chair, with your permission, thank you. Um, the COVID-19 uh, crisis is teaching the world, including us in South Africa, that there is a need for more effective uh, governance and a more inter uh, interventionist and uh, proactive role for the state. It is showing South Africa that the states can play a developmental and life-saving role. Therefore, Chairperson, I just want to know from, from, from Treasury, what uh, measures are being taken to strengthen and build the capacity of the state so that we are able to survive 
future disasters that are, are going to inevitably uh, okay. I will leave it at that, Chairperson, and respect your 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 directive because I also wanted to speak to the issue of the 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 the, the welfare tax. But I'll leave it it's, at that for okay. now. Thank you. Thanks, Honorable. Uh, Honor- Honorable Shengwa. Okay. Honorable Shengwa. Honorable Shengwa. Yes, I can hear you. Can hear you. Um, three things very quickly, Co-Chair. Uh, One, obviously, I think we will still need more time. I think we need to prioritize that. I think Treasury must understand that, that we are not going to exhaust all the matters today because of time constraints. So I think um, at the back of their minds, that must be understood. And I think that follow-up questions can be sent in writing for the purposes of ensuring that we are effective. Secondly, um, Chair, South Africa's debt servicing costs obviously standing at about 229 billion rands for 2020-21. What, does the, what are the implications of the World Bank IMF and uh, uh, New Development Bank uh, loan mean to that and what's the new scope and the road mapping so far as servicing those debts are concerned. And thirdly, we're obviously dealing with uh, an exorbitant amount of expansions and deviations uh, and the supplementary budget that the um, the minister spoke about will obviously have to be prioritized. So I would want really Treasury to take us through the frameworks put in place to safeguard the non-abuse of these expansions and deviations. And I think there's many examples uh, where this has already uh, happened, the bridge border post, you've got the tender in Gauteng, you've got the abuse of procurement in so far as the food parcels are concerned. And what is important is, is sufficient communication taking place between national treasury and government departments and entities to make sure that they are procuring within the parameters um, of the emergency spending correctly. So I think that clarity will be will be required. Thanks, Chair. Honorable Yunus uh, Yeah, thank you very much. Firstly, I think, Comrade Chair, we shouldn't polarize uh, health and economic considerations. In the circumstances, both are interrelated. We need to find the right balance. Not easy, but we can do it. Honorable Karim, are you still there? Honorable Karim, are you still there? I I think what we're having... Uh, he, he has cut. You can move on to the next one. Um, he's buffering. You can take, okay. it, take the okay. next one. Okay, thank you. Honorable Masangai, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you very well. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Shelly. Um, thank you, Minister, your colleagues and our colleagues. Just one clarity seeking question. The centralization of procurement by National Treasure. Why are they doing that? More especially, even taking powers from provincial and local government spheres. Because uh, provincial and local government are spheres 
of government. They are not tears. There's a difference between a sphere and a tear of government. Because there is a constitutional imperative in terms of uh, chapter three that outline the, 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 the originality of each and every sphere of government where they derive their existence, their powers and functions. And in that, there is also what we call the principles. And amongst those is principle 41, sub principle uh, subsection G, which talks about the uh, powers and functions of each sphere. Why, why, under which legal instrument did Kaiseri take away powers of departments and the other two spheres of government to centralize government. Because I thought Treasury also plays uh, an oversight role. But now, if it wants to take over and do things for department and local government and next provincial government, I think in the long run, it's a problem. So it's a clarity sitting question, uh, Chairperson. Thank you so much, Honorable Members. Um, uh, I think. Okay, I'm timing myself. Okay, so secondly, uh, I think members have the right to raise this thing. What exactly is meant by economic restructuring? Uh, Parliament's entitled to know. Treasury should either reply in writing or certainly do so the next time we engage on these issues. Thirdly, I think that uh, people are right to ask, members are, and the public. Yes, there may be a need for deviations on but why would Treasury come out together with trade and industry to set out what exactly these deviations are and how they'll be managed? And finally, the questions raised about who's managing Solidarity Fund, that's a fair question too. We need an answer. Thank you. Thank you still have eight seconds, person. I'll carry that over to the next meeting. And finally, Dinky Lady Mashango, we acknowledge that I can speak within the time limits. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you, honourable members. Thank, thank you, co-chairs. Um, just to add on, on, the, on the questions and uh, and, and uh, clarifications. Uh, number one, from Chair my person, side. Sorry, can I raise a point of order, please? Please do. Chair, now I, I hear you telling us that we've got a time constraint, and uh, the invitation for the meeting was sent out to continue until four o'clock. There was also an agreed way of, of, of raising our, our request to ask questions, and that was in the meeting chat group. Now, that hasn't been followed. I believe I was one of the first ones to, to indicate uh, my request to ask questions. I haven't been acknowledged. Uh, rather, we went for a kind of a, a, a school ground bully boy scrum uh, in order to determine who gets to talk. Now, I don't think that's fair, and I don't think we're giving the presentation from Treasury sufficient uh scrutiny, um, they've taken their time to prepare the presentation, uh, and I think we'd like to engage with the property. I don't think we've been given a fair opportunity to do so. Yes, Honourable Member, I, I don't know the, the invitation you got from our side to were given two hours, but can you, can you please come in quickly and uh, raise the issues that you wanted to raise? Thank you very much, Chair, although I know there are others that will now be jealous and also want to come in. My, my first question obviously comes uh, specifically from the NCOP's point of view in terms of the processing of the 
Dora Bill, which we are sitting with now, and we've been asked to to try and expedite the, this process. The question I'd like to ask to Treasury is, how much is Dora expected to change uh, in the adjustments? So what we're dealing with now is just a case of, of pushing something through, knowing full well that it's going to change in its entirety, or should we give this due consideration uh, and process it properly as we would normally um, and, and, and then merely wait for the adjustment thereafter? My second question is aimed at the minister, and, and just a question to the minister to ask how, how much interaction is there at cabinet level between ministers, because it seems to me like him and the president um, are perhaps on the same page, but uh, there are other ministers like, like Minister Patel, Chele, and Lamine Zuma, who quite clearly don't seem to be on the same page in terms of taking both a health and a financial aspect uh, when considering what regulations to put in place. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Members. My apologies again about the time constraint. I indicated at the beginning that you have got five committees here, and so we can't be able to do justice to the presentation. I think we'll follow up in our respective committees about some of the issues. But let me just throw in two quick comments. DG, when you came up with the structural faults in the economy, I think we are leaving one very important one the inequality which is there uh, in the economy. And this COVID-19 has just, uh, again, exposed uh, the, uh, the economy of South Africa, the way it is unequal. We only spoke about monopoly, monopolies, but inequality in, in our country, you know, that is not just monopolies. Uh, it also goes along the racial lines. So I think we need to, to, to deal that as your structural faults in the, in, in, in the economy, which is sometimes mm-hmm. responsible for the economy not being able to perform. Secondly, DG. There's, 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 there's a complaint uh, coming from small businesses that they are still not being paid on time, not about COVID, just that can we make sure and, and come back to this committee and, and tell us how we are going to, just to make sure that gov- government departments and state-owned companies, they pay small businesses on time, uh, especially at this time. We've always uh, argued the question of, of we agreed on, on, on 30 days, uh, but it doesn't happen and there are no consequences for that. Can you please deal with that and uh, please come back to, 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 to the committees and say exactly what you are doing with, with, with that. And again, another complaint, I think uh, it has been alluded to by the uh, other members, the access to the COVID-19 funds. Uh, small businesses, again, they are saying uh, they are just being spectators on this thing. Um, um, they are not being taken into consideration. Can you please take these committees into, into confidence as to exactly how to ensure that uh, uh, black businesses are, and small businesses are being considered here. Thank you very much. Can you try, please, to... There are many questions. Um, and as I said, uh, honourable members, st- we are still going to have a second bite as it comes for as uh, when they come to our respective committees. Uh, honourable minister, I don't know whether the deputy minister is there. Uh, welcome, deputy minister, uh, if, if you are there. Uh, minister and your team and the teacher and the deputy minister. No, I'm I'm here, chair. Thank you. Okay. Oh, welcome, welcome, DM. Sorry. Um, thank you very much, uh, honourable members, for your uh, contribution and uh, useful um, interventions. Um, I'll ask uh, Dondo and his team to uh, respond to some of the other 
issues. I'm going to return the uh, some of the policy issues, uh, including that question of the IMF, which um, I see some members tweeting about it and making political football out of it. But I'll come back to that uh, and deal with it. So if you could allow the DG to... DG, very quickly, don't be long, DG. There's no time. And then I'll come back and deal with some of the policy issues. Over to you, DG. Don't be long. Eh? Sorry, Chairman. Yeah. Yes. Sure. That? I just yes. this is this is Jordan Hill Lewis. I just want to get a firm answer on on the question of the time allocation here because we were informed that this meeting has been approved for three hours. I, I, I understand that an application was made for this meeting to proceed for three hours. We were told it would be a three hour meeting. Can we just get absolute clarity? Was an application made? Was that application approved? And why are we limited to two hours? Um, can I allow the honor, other honorable chairs to, to come in uh, from our side? Uh, we're definitely uh, told about that is uh, standing committee on appropriations. It was uh, two hours. And uh, we're also told that the minister is also having other engagements with, uh, with uh, his team. Uh, honorable chairs, can you quickly come in and, and clarify that one? Uh, honorable <laughs> Uh, I, I, the, 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 the note I got from our committee. <laughs> Sorry, is it declared? Okay, I'll wait. Sorry. Oh. No, no, no. Come in, Commander Honorable Yunis. Oh. Why is the lady laughing when you don't have time? Okay, so so uh, as I understood it from Inkulaleko, unless I got it wrong, it meant to be 13.0 to 15.30. What I understand is that I think the WIPs know it. Uh, the, 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 the system we're using only allows for a certain number of committees to sit simultaneously. So that's how they structure the time. But if it's possible, even the minister has to exit the DAs around, if it's possible, I don't see why we shouldn't extend it by 30 minutes, bearing in mind that this is also part of an ongoing exchange with Treasury. Okay. Thank you. And is there any any counter, any counter view, honorable members? Yes. There's none, Chairperson. Um, I've not. Uh, I've not been informed about the the time uh, limited. And Honorable uh, Karim, I'm just laughing the way the Chairperson is chasing the kids uh, from him. And I have written something on the management uh, chat. Um, I don't know about the procedure. There's something that uh, uh, the last speaker or the last presenter spoke about the. The, 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 the processing of the bills that it needs to be fast-tracked and we need to add, to understand that as, as committees. Thanks. Chair, if we may just go to that management group because our understanding was that the meeting is ending at four. So I think let's just clarify that. And I think um, if the let's not try and negotiate an extension, the issue is that the meeting was ending at four. So I think let's just clarify the confusion on the side, but the, the, the meeting is approved for four o'clock. Thanks, Chair. Uh, okay. Um, can management uh, uh, deal with that and come back to us? Can I? Uh, but there was also an, a, a question of national treasure and the minister having another engagement. Um, but can we start with the answering the questions in the meantime? 
National Treasury Minister. We are more than ready to start answering. Thank you. The, okay. Chair, I, I thought I understood you very well when you said this is the first engagement. Um, and in our presentation, we did say that the idea here is that we, we have to present a revised budget. If one was to characterize this meeting, one would characterize it as a as a MTBPS in October and the budget coming in February. And the budget in this case will be will be whether we, we, we show broad numbers, MTBPS, and we don't go into detail. Uh, we estimate because clearly the process to work through the details has been finalized. And then at the February budget, then we announce. Same thing here, Chair. I think only last week that we worked on a number of 500 billion. One can imagine, Minister, I mean, um, on all members, that some of the details we, we, we have not finalized them because we, 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 the way the, inc the inclusivity of the budget process means departments and provinces need to be fully briefed and fully engaged. What I know, for instance, the 130 billion or say 100 billion is being worked out and the details thereof including the details of the 100 billion rand that is set aside for 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 for, for, for job creation and SME development and support etc so all of these things are loose balls that are still hanging for good reasons not that we don't show what we are doing but it's important to work through the details if you say you are going to support informal business and spaza shops what's the criteria in order to ensure that money goes to the right people What's the policy framework? If you're going to uh, ensure that you create jobs for young people, what is it going to be and how does it fuse in in the long-term plan of government? So I think, uh, as, as we said, is that, uh, the revised budget uh, or supplementary budget, as Minister called it earlier, will come. And at that point, details will be finalized. As said yesterday, for instance, we had a meeting with the MECs for finance. We were talking through the details of the 30 billion as to what impact, uh, what impact will that do to provinces? So I think, but for now we have a target. We have got a plan that says this is how we want to spend, this is how we want to reprioritize. So I think, so without answering each detail of the questions related to those uh, aspects, I would say it's important that we we firm that up, including including uh, the debt levels, including the 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 the, the, the you know. Issues, uh, debt to GDP ratio, including what exactly is national trade is saying about what's going to be the impact of COVID-19 uh, and impact of, of, of downgrades. Where, what's the new framework? What's the new GDP number? We don't have it now. We have got estimates that we are working through. The impact is unknown. So I think when we say we have to get this uh, process forward, we mean exactly that, Chair. Uh, and, then, and we have got a target, and we'll obviously approach Parliament in terms of the approach, not October like normally, but obviously we have to bring that much, much earlier in terms of what we, how we answer broadly some of the things. There's also a question about, um, you know, um, the, 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 the last, the question about, um, there's a question here, sorry, Chair, I'm just looking at my notes. Uh, we, we, we released a government paper last year towards an economic policy for South Africa. 
In there, we had detailed structural reform issues that we are outlining. And this paper was deliberated widely, if not only by, by, by you know, various think tanks in South Africa, but most South Africans. And we were deliberating making the national debate last year. And those things will remain relevant. Those things will remain relevant in a post-COVID environment. And all of those are things that we have been saying to ourselves, we need to speed up and speed up in a way that we can begin to get, get benefits of embarking on such. We have seen now by just releasing Spectrum uh, in the COVID-19 environment, people like Telcom and others have started making maybe data cheap accessibility of some broadband and making sure that uh, it's possible. So it is possible that the ease of doing business can be enhanced when we do some structural reforms. But we are more than happy Chair, to again, uh, you know, share the same thoughts and documents of what exactly do we mean by what structural reform in this context mean for us. And we can include new areas around what you just mentioned, Chair, around um, uh, talking about, uh, you know, the poor and inequality and bring that as an issue that structurally must be dealt with. And I think one, we one welcomes that. We are putting in place... DG, your video, please, on. Sorry, Chair. I just want to prove to Honorable Dikele that I'm in the office. You can see the background. This is my office in Pretoria. We work hard, Treasury. <laughs> Sorry, Chair. Thank you. So I was just saying that it's important that we, we ensure that we, 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 we do structural reforms and follow what we said through last year. In terms of COVID funding, COVID-19 related funds and reprioritization, what we are doing, we met with key departments this week, two days ago, not yesterday, no, the day before last year, Monday night. We met with key departments that are going to be spending heavily education, health, correctional services, and two other departments that are going to be spending big time on COVID-19 type spending. And we agreed on broad guidelines that we need to adhere to. We are writing them up tomorrow. And this is all in the direction that Fossat gave us with the instruction of Fossat of Cabinet Secretariat to ensure that this happens, including the discussions I had with the AG on two occasions to ensure that we put audit measures in place to audit spending around COVID-19 spending because we think uh, there's opportunities there for for, for, for wrongdoing, and we must make deal with the fact that there's guidelines and rules that must be adhered to as we as we embark on the on, on the spending. So we will be, as I said, meeting with departments tomorrow, DGs, including provincial DGs, CFOs, and basically indicating what's critical to ensure that we we um, we spend as per the guidelines uh, that that are there. And chair. Minister did say you talk to policy issues, issues of deviations. Our request, uh, honorable uh, members, when we request that we pass the uh, appropriation budget earlier, it's all with the idea of ensuring that we avoid doing a whole lot of deviations that are being requested now. Currently, we've got five departments. The law currently says before the appropriation bill can be passed, you can only spend 45% of your last year's expenditure. 
Now, we have got five departments, small departments, that have already started spending that are almost exceeding, and we need, we need appropriation, and mainly because of pressures. Uh, GCIS, for instance, is one of those departments whereby they are doing more, they are spending more in terms of making sure that COVID messaging is enhanced. So it's important that we, we request that that comes through so that these deviations can be, can be dealt with uh, in, quickly. The, um, there's a question on illegal trade of cigarettes. I think uh, you know, Edward will speak to that. Prolonged dislocation of the economy on our shaky imam. Look, there is a relationship between monetary and fiscal policy. And what we're saying is that because we don't know the impact, I think we have demonstrated, and the Reserve Bank and ourselves have demonstrated that as and when need be, we will then have to adjust. So I think if the economy then is dislocated for a longer period, obviously the impact is going to be much, much more. And I think we need, really need to make sure that we, 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 we spend and we, we spend in an appropriate way in making some interventions. Probably Louis asked about slide 23. But basically, slide 23, and with your permission, Chair, uh, can I go to that slide quickly so that you know, I answer appropriately? Slide 23, what basically we are doing there is just to show the, how quick and how slow and how long it will take and the impact. You are right. It's going to take us, I mean, if we, if we are quick, uh, minimum jobs will be impacted. 3 million or even less than 3 million. If it's going to take us long, we're going to even reach about 7.7 million jobs that may be impacted. So I think it's important that, as I said, we are characterizing the the challenges here and say we have to move quickly to gain the economy back to normal, but also take into account that we also have to contain the impact of of the the virus and the impact of, um, you know, in slowing it down and ensure that we're not affected. Honorable Shivambo is right. The number is as is over and above the number that you are, uh, you know, it's, 90, it's actually 95 billion over and above the number that you are going to be getting uh, more from, from borrowings because the other money is, is actually ensuring that it's existing resources that you are reprioritizing, it's existing interventions that are easing the impact and so on and so on. Here's the actual you know, number that extra over and above the estimates that we have penciled in February will be that. But again, that number obviously will be firmed up in terms of how we approach this at the revised budget when we clearly now would have a better understanding. And also the cost of debt, that number will be informed by what, how much it's costing us. And so the revision of that of the framework as presented in the revised budget will outline some of these realities. So I'll stop there. I don't know if my colleagues have got other things uh, that they want to, Honorable, you can see me again, that they want to, uh, uh, you know, talk to, but I'll stop there, Chair. Thank you. What, uh, your other colleagues, are they coming in? Uh, they, they, they are not going to come in because it looks like I've taken everything. But, but no, illegal trade of cigarettes. Um, the question was there, and maybe, uh, you know, the Commission of SARS can come in. There's also Please. a question about SAA, working capital. Sorry, let me, let me do that. The SAA, working capital, uh, is, is, is not provided for in the $9.2 billion that we've outlined. That money is essentially to repay debt, no, as we indicated uh, previously. 
uh, if you think about the working capital, that money is used already with the five billion allocation that we made because it came from the so all that is there and we we'll obviously put this in perspective later again is that the money that's there is to actually repay debt. In terms of Cuban doctors and how much it's costing us, I, I don't know the details of, of how much it's costing us. We don't have that. Um, in the Department of Health can give the details there because it comes in the normal spending of the department and the choices, policy choices that they make. So again, but those reports normally come every quarter. So, but at this point in time, I don't have, I don't have the actual number that I share with the committee. Okay. Uh, Team National Treasury. Chair, if I can, if I can respond to the uh, tobacco question. Please, uh, Commissioner. So, uh, good afternoon, members. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I mean, just first of all, a few things. The first is to say that um, the illicit tobacco uh, trade uh, is not something new. It's something that we are grappling with. Uh, and have grappled with. It's something that we work also in conjunction with the other um, investigative and enforcement agencies of government. Um, specifically in respect of the current COVID arrangements, um, there are two concerns that we raise. The one is the concern that naturally uh, the fact that the regulations do not permit uh, the sale of alcohol or tobacco, for that matter, is going to have a significant revenue impact. The uh, I can share with the committee uh, months to date that in terms of beer sales, we have under-recovered uh, $664 million. Uh, Months to date, in terms of wine, we have under-recovered almost $300 million. Uh, spirits, just over $400 million, and cigarettes, uh, just over $300 million. So year-to-date, our under-recovery from these uh, activities is $1.5 billion, and we are not yet. We're just uh, about through the first month. Um, that excludes today. Um, and then, of course, a concern is that um, the problem with illegitimate or illicit uh, sale of uh, cigarettes, uh, given the fact that we cannot claim uh, as a country that we are on top of that yet, uh, naturally, uh, during times like this, when the legal sale of these products are not permitted, it encourages the trade uh, of, of these products in the illicit economy. Uh, that is a concern that we just want to register with the committee. Any other person from Team Treasury? Jay, Before Jay, the another point on Solidarity Fund. I can talk to that quickly. I'm sorry I missed that Please. one. No, no, no. Don't, don't leave that one to me. Leave that one to me. Okay, let me leave take another one, Minister, about the, the issue about departments and provinces. What we did, what we did, we did not, uh, Honorable Chair, take the power from provinces and local government in any of in any of our processes of procurement. We made sure that, as I said, there were three sets of interventions uh, that we made on the procurement fund based on, on necessity and uh, uh, addressing the issue at the point in time. There was a need at some point, as per the Department of Health, and in this case, the sector, and we're not looking at it in terms of, uh, in terms of um, departments or provinces, there was a need to procure centrally uh, PPEs 
uh, in terms of addressing issues of economies of scale, which was a request that came from the Department of Health and where we responded. And again, in the same instruction note, we made it clear departments and provincial departments and entities can and can still on their own procure. So we did take that. Even in the instruction note that we issued a few days ago, we emphasized the same point that departments should continue so long as they meet the prescripts that are outlined. And in the presentation, I outlined these prescripts as to what they are. Registered with the CSD, your price should be within the price range that we, that we have uh, you know, instituted and it's public, it's public knowledge that you can only buy within certain price levels. Finally, that the, require, the specifications of Department of Health and specifications of the Department of World Health Organization, insofar as uh, health requirements are concerned, should be met. So, Chair, we, we have done that. So it is, it is, it is not, uh, you know, the, the way the chairperson puts it, that we have taken the powers. We cannot. But when it be, there's transversal contracting, which is provided for in our law, and we do it centrally for everybody. And when need be, based on interventions that I need, we can then use the powers that we have to actually ensure that we uh, procure in a way that, that, we, that, that is uh, seen to be as per 217 of the Constitution. And I think that's what we've emphasized. So we leave it at that, and the Minister can talk about the others. Thank you, TG. Honourable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair and uh, members of the committee. I just want to bring the discussion back to the core purpose a meeting, um, which is um, um, <clears throat> the uh, financial applications of COVID-19 on both the economy and the, and the budget. Again, to re-emphasize the backdrop um, that uh, we are confronting. I'm sorry you can't see me because I don't know how to do it. Uh, uh, okay. Um, there, you the, there you go. The backdrop. Yes, I, I know you can see now I live uh, in, in grass. The, the, the backdrop. The backdrop. Um, is that of a global economy that is uh, in 2020 going to be in a session with growth at minus 5.0%, uh, minus 3, sorry, minus 3.0%, uh, and with the South African economy expected to contract by minus 5.8%. But the global economy and the South African economy expected to pick up in 2021 uh, 5.8 globally and 4% in South Africa. I think that's a very important thing uh, to bear in mind. In between, I've, I've, I've uh, skipped a number of issues. And within that, it's low inflation environment supported mostly by low um, oil prices and the fact that uh, you know global demand is very low. So that's a very important backdrop. And... Um, so if you go to slide number four, which I think they've given you, you see the, the depth of the uh, contraction in the South African economy, uh, uh, which is much sharper than we've experienced uh, before. And, and so that's uh, an issue of concern. The DG spoke about some of the structural issues in the South African economy, which I'm going to see in slide number five. 
uh, I don't have to go back and talk about that in some in some detail. And some of the structural reforms, again, you see that going up to page seven and page, uh, and probably page eight, uh, this thing can move. Uh, page seven, it ends there. So I think that that provides just you know the back the back, uh, background, but. Even before COVID-19 hit us, as you recall, I said, we're already in a technical recession. And this uh, situation has been made worse by the COVID situation. Now, in the current, in this current situation, and I think the commissioner began to give us a very good indication of the, the poor performance of revenue collection. And we expect revenue collection to come down probably by some 32% or more, uh, which means that we have less revenue but greater pressures on the fiscal to spend. And please, members, I want you to bear with me. When people still demand more expenditure with revenue coming down, how do you close the gap? You close the gap by borrowing. You close the gap by restructuring your expenditure. You close the gap by closing some programs altogether and focusing on those growth enhancing and those which are unavoidable. You, you, you remove any whistles and bells and frills and uh, go to the core of how to continue function. Having said all of that, uh, let me deal with a few uh, policy issues. The first one is on the IMF issue. And I think, of course, one can take an ideological position about the IMF. But the fact of the matter is that the IMF has clarified now that uh, they do have these facilities available for different countries, for uh, lower um, income countries. There's a facility that is there for middle income countries. There's another facility. We would qualify for the medium, middle uh, income countries. And uh, we haven't uh, uh, begun any negotiations. It's a long process, uh, which will take a number of weeks uh, for us to get into that but we have not closed the, the window. Uh, it's something that we should still look at. If it's going to be any favorable to us, uh, will there be any conditions attached? My understanding is that there will be no conditions attached. In fact, I'm, I'm not interested in discussing uh, conditionalities with the IMF. I think we know what to do for our economy and we'll do uh, what we can do uh, domestically ourselves. So I'm not interested in conditionalities discussions. The... Issues of uh, uh, savings and provinces, I think DG has dealt with that. You must also recall that we're also making special provision of plus minus 20 billion rand, which will be there to help support uh, municipalities. And between the National Treasury and COCTA, we'll see how to to manage that. Uh, On SOEs, are we going to continue funding SOEs? Well... I'm afraid that I, I can't be definitive to say no. Because, for example, what are we going to do with the land bank? We, we cannot afford the land bank to fail. In a sense, the land bank is probably too big to fail in the agricultural sector. But also the land bank is connected throughout the financial system. There are land bank bills in the market and so on. So I can't say we can't uh, save the land bank. The land bank is too big to fail. We have to make sure that the lenders to land bank ourselves, um, even the sub, somehow come into the party to rescue the uh, the land bank. 
but there, there are some SUS, SOEs which are not deserving of any funding at all. And we'll be making a big mistake that we continue to fund them purely on the basis that they're state-owned. Am I going to promise you that there will be no sale of any state-owned enterprise? The answer is no, because there will be sales. And that's privatization. There will be sales of some of the uh, poorly functioning state-owned enterprises. And we need to grab the bull by the a scruff of its neck and deal with this matter. Uh, there are those which are going to be sold and we are going to have to sell them. Uh, are the pension funds safe? The answer is yes. As far as I know, they're safe. I know there are calls for uh, uh, pension funds to be uh, directed to invest in specific projects. I think the key issue for us as the uh, leading agency in the country is to make sure that we prepare projects, we make them available so that investors would want to invest in them. I know for certain that if there are good projects, life uh, insurance companies are going to invest in those uh, uh, projects because they see an outcome. But we have to ensure that that which people, oh God, uh, I have to rush to another meeting, that which people invest in they can receive a return in the future. We mustn't do to people what we've done with the ETOL system. Where people invested in the ETOLs as a private public initiative, and then we are not dealing about the, the payment of ETOLs. That does not encourage investors at all. So we have to avoid that if we want life companies to invest uh, in the future. The 200 billion rand facility, I think Ian has tried to explain it. I think it's being activated, um, and I think it's a good private sector uh, initiative in this regard. There's something I need to bring to your attention, uh, colleagues, uh, which I think we have not uh, uh, talk talked about it now at uh, DG Dondo. The fact that uh, uh, SNP has downgraded us again to BB minus, although with a stable outlook. But it's a big blow again to South Africa. It basically means that the, uh, is the JP Morgan World Bond Index will rebalance. And as a result of that rebalancing, we're likely going to be out of the index, which really is a sad, sad, sad day for me and for South Africa because, um, uh, you know, if we're out of that index by tomorrow, it's bad news. Bad, bad news. Um, now, let me come to the uh, the Solidarity Fund. Uh, let me indicate that the Solidarity Fund, fund um, is having a governance structure. It is a board of directors, which is chaired by Gloria Sirobe and a number of other private sector participants. Uh, uh, Susan Masane, uh, Martin Kingston, and others, uh, Ibrahim Patel, Tito Mboweni, uh, uh, as well, are part of the board of directors. Uh, then the board has appointed uh, an executive team, a chief executive, chief financial officer, and um, supply and chain manager. Um, it has uh, been, and then they exco a number of subcommittees, procurement, as I said, supply chain, and so on. 
from the business side, the organization Business for South Africa is very much uh, part of the process. And then the South African government has given an initial uh, funding of a hundred million rand, which Dondo, I hope you have paid. And then the lottery uh, fund has given 50 million. So from the public side, 150 million. Then from the private side, sector side, I'm aware that uh, uh, Mary Oppenheimer has given a, a billion rand and I think John Oppenheimer as well, another billion. So there's two billion from the Oppenheimers. And the other private sector uh, contributors, uh, the, the ministers, uh, the president, deputy president, one third of their salary is also going to go to the Solidarity Fund. And how it operates, I really should encourage you to get in touch with uh, uh, Nomkita, who is the chief executive officer. But really, they move very fast with procurement and so on. And they try and reach out to private companies to provide pro bono work, whether it's pro bono legal work, pro bono transport and logistics. For example, this thing of Imperial I hear about is causing a lot of uh, unhappiness. As far as I know, their relationship with the Solidarity Fund is on a pro bono basis. And I think we should be clear about that. And we can find out more uh, from the Solidarity Fund. And the last point, which is a bit of a cheeky political point, is whether um, there's any interaction with other ministers and whether we see things the same way are we at Edom. As far as I know, uh, ministers are involved in a number of uh, committees and there are clusters, cabinet clusters, then there are specific cabinet committees, there are ad hoc committees, um, and issues are brought together, processed, and submitted to the cabinet. And once cabinet has taken a decision, those decisions are binding on all ministers, even if you don't like it. I mean, for example, I didn't like the continuous ban on tobacco and alcohol, but I lost the debate, and therefore I have to toe the line. Uh, that's the line. I know I'm losing a lot of revenue in the middle of being under pressure to spend. But nevertheless, that's a decision of the cabinet, and I have to fall in line if I want to be a member of the executive. If I can't fall in line, then you, if you can't fall in line, then you must leave and let other people continue to run things. So one has to fall in line in that regard. So, Honorable Chair, I think thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, have this conversation with yourselves. And I think we should open the lines of communication. Uh, if there's an issue that bothers any of the chairperson any time, which may be other members of the committee keep asking the chair, please feel, feel free to call me. We have a chat. Uh, we have these technologies these days, we can talk through issues so that we don't let issues to pile up uh, before uh, we come to the committees. But situation is difficult. One, I am in three or four or five meetings a day, and uh, yeah, it's quite difficult, but... Uh, I think we're up to the challenge. It's very difficult. I know, for example, that some people saw 500 billion rand and they're busy planning uh, schemes of how to steal, how to loot, and they're going to use the procurement systems as a way to try and steal. The money is not there for, for, for enriching anybody. These are interventions to support our people and to support the economy during this difficult time. And we have to have a common understanding that 
uh, in the first place were having a health interventions and then in the but together in a dialectical sense also preparing the ground to get the economy going when they will reach level two or level one uh, in this situation honorable chair thank you very much much appreciated thank you thank thank you honorable honorable minister um uh, you heard the minister is having a a glasnost uh, type of a uh, um, policy openness so is is contactable through the committees and through the chairs but uh, i've been communicating with men with manage with management and they're telling me that the minister will will uh, will be leaving us, but Team National Treasure is still available and, 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 until four. And uh, again, we have been given permission to continue uh, with the uh, <clears throat> uh, with uh, the, the virtual meeting. So, uh, minister, you are ex- ex- excused. Um, I have got names that have been sent here of uh, honoured members who who had their hands up, and uh, that's where we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll start. I think the first uh, uh, pe- person will be Honorable Vessels. Uh, there's uh, uh, Honorable Sarupen. There's Honorable Ockham, Honorable Morolong, Honorable Peters, Honorable Mlenzana, um, Honorable Mente. Uh, yeah, I think that's 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 how far we uh, we go. Uh, Honorable Peters, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I. So can can we can we do it in that order? Hello. Samuel. Okay. Hello. Yes, yes, Samuel. And and lastly, Honorable Samuel. Okay, can we can we do it in that order? All members, uh, four o'clock is a is it's a, it's a cut off time and. Uh, um, <clears throat> I think let's let's be let's take a cue from the first uh, group of honourable members who spoke before us. We don't have all the time. Is the is the constraint that uh, uh, we, we we are we are having? And if I were to stress, honourable members, we're still going to have our opportunity in our respective committees. And I I, I understand that there are so many of these of, of these issues which have been bottling up because this is the first opportunity we are, we are engaging many of us with national treasury. But there's still going to be other opportunities. We just thought let's get an, a helicopter view of what was happening uh, from the minister and the uh, and 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 his team. Can we start, uh, honourable vessels? Honourable vessels, are you there? Please come in. Thank you, chairperson. Um, firstly, just with regards to the. Um, the loan criteria. I, I didn't hear an answer with regards to that. I think an honorable member asked the question that uh, banks are distributing that 200 billion currently and that they can, according to one of the slides, um, refuse those loans. The question though is what are they basing that criteria on? Is it only a credit scoring or is there any other criteria that are used because we have a lot of people that are in good standing and credit worthy but they are not receiving those debt relief and those um, loans uh, especially the SAFT um, fund and then the question arises is it is there any other criteria is there BE criteria used is there race-based criteria used and if so we must play open we must play open cards with regards to that 
and uh, tell the public what the criteria is with regards to that. Uh, thank you, Chair. That's my question. Thank you, Honourable Member. Um, next. Uh, thank you, Chair. I hope you can hear me. Um, and you I can hear me very well. Thank me. you. Great. Yeah, we can uh, see you. Chair, I've got, I've got three very brief questions. First is, in terms of the 170 billion reprioritization, I know Treasury has just said that they're still working on it, but I'd like to get an idea of what areas have been identified to make cuts to accommodate this. Then, Chair, I'd also like to know, with regards to the collapse in revenue that the minister alluded to, that you know money's not coming in, but there's pressure to spend, is South Africa at risk of defaulting on its sovereign debt obligations, or is there a possibility of a balance of payment problems in light of the minister's comments? And then lastly, Chair, considering that SAA and SA Express is facing liquidation, will this not trigger a wider debt recall considering that both these airlines had state guaranteed debt? Thank you. Thank you. Next, uh, oral member. I think it was Honorable Ockham. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, I have been covered mostly. I think just the one thing that we need to say to each other is that there is a huge difference between theory and practice. What we have been discussing here today is a lot of theory, obviously, but that now must be exercised in practice. And the long and the short of it is that the way in which we, well, not we, but the way in which government wants to implement this might create a lot of problems in practice. The fact, for instance, that only farmers that have got a turnover of between 50,000 and 1 million can apply for funding. It's, it's, it's not a, a practical way of doing this. Uh, the biggest amount of work that is created in the farming sector is done by farmers that has got a turnover of more than 1 million rand. They are also in trouble. So if we are not going to help those farmers, we are going to contribute to a higher unemployment rate. The same with the BEE requirements that are draconian that should not be applied to this. There's a lot of businesses that creates jobs for people, poor people, whether they are black or white, it's, it doesn't matter. But a lot of them are black. Most of them are black. And a lot of those businesses are owned by white people or by uh, small companies that does not qualify for funding. And this will create a huge amount of unemployment and the growth in the unemployment figures, which will, in the whole turnaround of things here, will be detrimental to what we are doing here. I think we need to look at how things are going to be applied in practice. We can talk here as much as we like and we can have all the figures, but if the practical uh, application hereof is not going to be seen through, uh, it's, there's going to be a huge lot of troubles. We saw that yesterday evening with the announcements by uh, the minister, uh, Lamini Zuma, with regards to cigarettes. We heard today that the application or the, the detriment to the government with regards to tax revenue is a huge lot. Uh, Mr. Kieswetter said that. And he also said, and we all know that due to the fact that stuff like that happens, the practical implication is that the illegal trade in cigarettes and in liquor is going to go up. Re government is not receiving money therefore. But it just seemed to me that there is a huge uh, difference between what's happening in theory, what, what's said in theory, and what must be applied in practice. So I would like this committee to urge government to look, look into that so that whatever we do is going to benefit the people from South Africa from a practical, practical point of view. Thank you very much. Thank you. Honourable Marulong. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, 
Well, firstly, uh, the, the loan guarantee scheme is a consequence of the impact of uh, COVID-19. It is actually a direct response to COVID-19. Under normal circumstances, businesses would not have wanted to loan uh, money from banks and elsewhere. They are doing so because of COVID-19, and they are expected to repay these loans with interest, um, which means that they bear the cost of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the only time where uh, the presence of government is evident is when there is default on uh, repayment of those loans. Um, uh, so, so my question is, are we not able to create or a, a, a grant uh, uh, funding uh, mechanism for, for, for these businesses uh, uh, with strict conditions? Um, also with evidence that uh, they will stimulate economic growth. Two, uh, you know, the, so far uh, there has been a cash injection on the economy in the form of social grant. This is commendable, uh, given the fact that we need to provide, um, uh, you know, um, a social net uh, for the poor uh, and the vulnerable. Um, however, there's been no evidence that there is... Uh, an effort uh, on the part of government to invest uh, in the stimulation of production beyond the only time uh, uh, this uh, phase of pand- uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so this 100 billion which has been set aside uh, for SMMEs and job creation, how much of it will guarantee uh, that uh, we, we are really interested in really stimulating production in the Thank you, Honorable Peters. Honorable Peters. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, and thanks to the presentation by National Treasury, but also to indicate that my other question has been covered by the Minister's response to the Solidarity Fund. And uh, Chaperson, I, I just want to indicate that whilst we appreciate and understand the need to prioritize the health budget, especially in view of the challenges the health sector has been having over the years, and they at all times request for additional resources to be able to deal with the infrastructure and other related challenges in the health sector. What about the education sector? Because we now know the challenges that we will be faced in in the schools, especially if you have to address the hygiene and sanitation issues, which and and the scholar transport, which are not necessarily core to the education sector, but supporting the education sector to make it possible that they can mitigate the challenges of this uh, COVID-19 when the schools reopen. With regard to scholar transport and sanitation and hygiene, you would know the challenges related to social distancing, the washing of hands, availability of soaps and sanitizers, and all those type of uh, indications. But also, Chairperson, I would like to know the intervention in the social security environment, the 350 as well as uh, for the unemployed, as well as the money that will be given for the child support grant in the month of May, as in, in, in addition to the care, uh, carers going forward. 
Is it the intention of National Treasury to look at reprioritization in the social development uh, department to make it possible that this money can be available for a longer term? Because once uh, the money is ended after six months, we know that we will be having the unemployed people still in the same situation or unemployment having or the unemployment rate having increased. But also, do we have a database with the Department of Labor of all the unemployed people of South Africa? Because as far as I know, the unemployed people are supposed to have been at all times being registered with the Department of Labor. If not, is it our intention as well as the Department of uh, Labor's intention to make sure that we can create that particular register? Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Peters. Honorable Lenzana? Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, I'm also partly covered, particularly by the Minister's input. But just, Chair, on the protection of jobs. There is this 40 billion which is allocated via the current temporary employer or employee relief scheme which is administered by the UIF for supporting wage uh, payments for businesses which are unable to pay workers. Now, Chair, does uh, this 40 billion include the 30 billion already allocated uh, or is it an addition to it? Also coupled with that, uh, is the money which is allocated, is it determined at a particular percentage of an employee existing wage. How, how is the determination, uh, the determination made? Yeah, I, otherwise, Chair, the rest is also, you know, uh, covered. Uh, perhaps if the DG could also cover this, that uh, the, the Department of uh, Employment and Labor has been working with SARS uh, in helping the UIF around the disbursement uh, of these funds. Uh, now, how is that going to assist the department going forward? Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Lenzana. Honorable Mensa? Honorable Mensa, are you there? Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Yes, I'm here. Can you, hello, can you hear me, Chair? Now, now we can hear you. We're struggling to hear you. Can you proceed? Let's see how far we go. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, uh, my point, point number one is just, uh, I'm covered by Mayor Peters, but on education as well and not having it as a prioritization. We are now having parliament that is operating in... Uh, in its full scope or true virtual uh, platform. So we can roll out the same program and the same system for our education from basic to higher education. However, I do not know how Treasury is going to reprioritize budget or and is not talking to how it's going to fund such continuality of schooling. our children to the forefront of the war. And then number two is on the issue of...
amazing the production. The Minister of uh, Koch does keep on speaking about opening the firms that are dealing with the fabric to make the PPE. So if that fabric is available, why are we not having our textile industry coming back, being uh, having treasury at the center of it so that we can have the small business people producing our PPEs and stay away from having sole providers that are procuring this much important need of the COVID time from outside and it's done by big companies that already are questionable in their being. And then lastly, uh, Mr. Dondo, please, DJ, explain to us explicitly clear the rapid financing instruments. So if we're not getting the 0% from the IMF, what is a rapid financing instrument given a status of South Africa that we are deeper than the junk status? Thank you very much. Thank you, honorable, honorable members. Uh, um, DG, we have got about uh, 20 minutes, um, <coughs> 15 to 20 minutes to try and, 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 and cover the questions which have been raised. Um, yeah, please, can you try and uh, <coughs> um, respond chair, to the questions? Uh, chair, uh, before the DG uh, proceeds, oh, um, Honorable Somu, please, of Scopa. Yes, it was on your oh. list, Honorable Somu, before the DG proceeds. Thanks. Oh, thank, thank you, Honorable Somu. Please come in. Thanks, thanks, Honorable Somu. Th thanks, uh, thanks, thanks, Honorable Chair. Um, I wanted to speak uh, on the area which uh, the DG uh, passed through, uh, which, which uh, emphasizing the enhancement of a thorough preventative controls uh, as we look into the quantum of the amount committed by government to deal with this as a matter of uh, spending, which is going to be a rapid uh, matter of uh, dealing with this uh, emergence uh, benefit, which is very necessary. But there's a, a crippling uh, instance which has beginning to be a culture as we look into a number of departments um, right through. There's a permeation um, of wanting at the edge a time to spend irrespective uh, with less observation of what ought to be done in as far as procurement process are concerned. It might have been uh, that the Auditor General's uh, duty previously has been to look into the books of various departments, uh, various spheres of government after the expenditure. It might be of necessity that uh, we must begin to strengthen the interaction between a uh, treasury, as the DG has indicated, and the Auditor General to ensure that the preventative control measures are somewhat enhanced at the departmental, at a sphere level, so that we somewhat uh, prevent whatever instances which are going to lead into the seepage uh, of uh, such resources, for us to enhance the value uh, of such allocations for a period beyond uh, the uh, COVID-19 
which should be appreciated uh, in a way, so so so, so that the country uh, should uh, not necessarily, um, uh, in in a way, uh, could 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 see the loss of such an expenditure, as it is the case on the irregularities which we uh, should talk about uh, when things have happened. So so if the DG could uh, somewhat work in a considerate way uh, to ensure that the uh, auditor general. Um, as of now, with expenditure continues, uh, there is a way that they are somewhat working together to enhance uh, such a value uh, in, a, in, a, in a very appropriate uh, uh, instance. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Members. Um, uh, can I allow um, <coughs> the DG the, the and, and the, honor, the Deputy Minister, because we have got the Deputy Minister there, and Deputy Minister, with your, with, with your team, can you please respond? Um, I raised the question of racial inequality, and I didn't hear anything. Wrong diagnosis will result in a, in a, in a, in a, in a wrong uh, uh, medication. So let's, let's deal with that. And if I were to stress, it's very central because a lot of uh, 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 small businesses, black business, youth business, women business, they say they're looking at this 500 billion rand that we are talking about, but they consider themselves to be spectators on that. And... Uh, I, I would like the uh, the DG uh, deputy minister to to deal with that. Thank you very much, uh, DM. Uh, Chair, if I may um, allow the DG to respond first, and then I'll come later. Thank you so much, DG. Uh, thank Thank you very much, Chair, for the questions and for this round. We appreciate all of the questions. Starting at the last point, I think it's, you know the point is, is important in that the AG, uh, you know, and we have to talk about preventative measures and food systems in place now. And I think that is the spirit that we discussed with the AG. And, and I think all we need to do is to make sure that we're able to extend the value of the money that, that we'll be putting in uh, in terms of uh, these interventions. Now, the, the question about the, 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 the rapid financing instrument um, it, as the minister said, I think it's a facility that's available. There are many, many facilities in the IMF. Some of them have always been there. Some of them are specific for certain types of countries. Uh, and they differ, even within low-income countries, there are some products, uh, call them loan products for now, that are specific for certain types of countries that could have been ravaged by war, etc. And then there are some instruments like this one, that is made available, and then obviously we'll, we'll have to look at it. It attracts, as Minister said, a 1.1% interest, and then we, you know, the, the engagements will start. And I think the point that was made at some point is that we'll obviously have to take everyone in confidence in terms of what we agree or what we are not agreeing before we even sign up on these loans. And I think we are, we are an open country, a democratic country, and we have to open up. I don't think there's going to be any attempt to kind of hide away any type of agreement that, that we would enter if, if, we, if we are going to go there to finally. So I think that matter on our mental, we can always go back to it when, when the discussions have started and when we know exactly what, what we'll be doing. Um, and it's important, I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> the, the whole idea of the procurement regime that we actually uh, are putting forward and are pushing for is all around saying, Local companies should be should be given preference, um, and and there's an issue here which which I thought 
uh, you know, it will be an issue for some members, but it's not our issue. But I have to mention it because it's in the spirit that you mentioned. It's about the whole uh, issue that has to do with, with, with black economic empowerment. I think we move from the premise that as National Treasury that black economic empowerment is within our laws and legislation. So, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and one of the members, I, I forgot who it was, in the earlier round said, these laws have failed and etc. But if they have failed and they are still there, we have to implement. We don't have a choice. And I think it's up to Parliament to, to, to actually retract these laws if they're not relevant. But we think they are relevant and they remain relevant. And we have to em- ensure that local empowerment, black empowerment, uh, competitiveness and all of those relevant issues are actually put to the fore. If it means an opportunity for small businesses to be elevated on simple things like production of masks that will boost the textile industry, let it be and then let's not be ashamed and that's unfortunately the approach that we, we use but again we, we subject obviously to, 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 to if parliament would want us to change that view uh, it can, it's an open issue that can be debated, but I think for now we are doing that and we are doing a clear conscious of ensuring that small medium enterprises, uh, you know, small companies, local companies that provide local jobs should, should, be, should, be, should be. And I know the DTI has been pushing for this in the last couple of weeks in ensuring that uh, the textile industry is boosted and ensuring that uh, firms that have closed down who, who can produce these things are, are bring, brought to the fore, uh, even support. I know the IBC has made certain interventions by making resources available for some companies to start procuring uh, these things. Uh, and, and, and I think we, we should support, support all of those. And it's something that I think the departments at the appropriate time can be called to the relevant committees to come and tell us exactly, exactly what they do. There's also an issue about grants. Honorable Peters, I, 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 do it, 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 I, I think it's important also to approach this very carefully. In my own little understanding of where we are as a country, I don't think we want South Africa to be a welfare state per se, but what I, I think it should be a country that can produce jobs and that people can actually have meaningful employment opportunities. But if we are going to have uh, in our thinking, and that's why I think it's something that we did not build into, into the numbers as, as we presented them, that these interventions can only be for six months and affordability also was an issue in deciding whether to, 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 to uh, increase by any amount that we did. Or some people are even calling that we should increase the child support grant by a thousand rand per month. It wouldn't have been possible with the resources, including even currently, the resources that we have put out, out there is still resources that we have to go out and borrow and actually reprioritize. So, and I agree, education is the same. But we should not forget, Chair. Yeah, it was a good lulazo, but Kukolanda was a petty. Normally, we use a corner for a check. Honorable member, there's an honorable member who's on, who's, uh, please uh, mute your, your mic. The director general is responding to the question. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I was simply saying education has got existing budgets currently, infrastructure budgets. It's going to be critical that reprioritization for the next six months is critical. If we talk about social distancing, and we know there are instances where there's more than uh, the uh, allowable number of children per class. And, and, and the department, obviously, I can imagine they're applying their mind in terms of bringing some of their own infrastructure budgets forward, reprioritizing to a point when they can 
build extra classrooms or prefabs, whatever you want to call them, in terms of ensuring that social distances, uh, distancing is, is, is adhered to, because this, this pandemic is quite, quite serious. And so when I say, Chair, that these budgets and the revised budget that's going to be tabled, we're going to expect that we should see some of these innovations that should come through from the departments in terms of what they'll be putting in budgets. So yeah, the education sector is important. And the, the 100 billion, all of it, all of it will st should stimulate the economy if we are serious about it. We should use it to stimulate the economy and not, and not uh, you know, spare any cent in terms of making sure that we, 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 we boost the economy. My colleagues Momoniat uh, uh, and Roy will talk about the, the loan uh, and the, the criteria that was set. Uh, uh, you know that that day we agreed they will talk to that. Now, there, there's also a question. Tepiso, uh, if she's still on the call, I hope she's still because she was going for another meeting. Um, for SAA and Express, in terms of whether this will trigger a call, maybe she can come in there. Um, it's fact here. I think we are. This is uncharted territory, Chair. This is also something that is occupying our thinking process. That this is all new for everyone. It's new for countries, many countries in the world. It is most of it. It is going to be theory uh, in terms of. But I think we should, uh, you know, you know, take our chances with the sole purpose of ensuring that we want to protect lives, we want to improve lives. And we want to make sure that we, 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 we create the necessary environment for where economy can thrive at a later stage. That, that, that's kind of the, the thinking behind, behind some of the things that, that inform, inform our approach. I will leave it at there, Chair, and then maybe the Deputy Minister can come. But before Deputy Minister, I'll ask maybe it's episode to talk about the triggering of debt if SA Express and SAA are liquidated or, you know, or and also, uh, we'll ask uh, Roy and, and Momo to come in so far as the loan criteria that the banks have set. Thank, uh, thank you, thank you, DG. Thank you, uh, Chairpersons. Uh, the question that was asked around the revenue collapse and the implication that that would have on the ability of the state to um, service their debt, I think that is a real question, and it suggests that we cannot continue to spend unlimited when we have limited resources. We are already running a primary um, deficit, which suggests that we are not earning enough money to cover our uh, non-interest expenditure, let alone interest expenditure. So that is a warning sign that suggests that we need to be careful and we need to be, as we are spending, we need to have in mind the debt sustainability um, you know, impact at the, at the back of our minds because failure to that, it means we are relying on lenders for us to continue to service our debt. And the day they decide that they are not going to um, give us the money, we are certainly going to find ourselves in a very precarious situation. In terms of the SAA and um, um, SA Express and uh, their, them being in the position they are in and the prospect of cross defaults, Currently, as it stands, the guarantee um, agreements are written in such a way that there is no cross-default among the state-owned companies. Uh, what we have could be a cross-default within the entity itself. So SAA 
defaulting, even in this case, land bank defaulting would not result in other state-owned companies' debt being called, um, to, so to speak, in, in relation to, to the default. I think those are the two questions um, that were posed, DG, to, to address. I will leave Momo to address the guarantee scheme. Thank you. Thank you, DG, Justin. In the meantime, sure. I also asked Edward whether to come in and talk about the, the UIF question. Chair, sure. so just uh, again, honorable members, um, in terms of the UIF, um, just an update the UIF has not requested SARS to assist with the disbursement of, 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 the, of the relief. Uh, they have, we've been in discussion with them um, extensively over the last two weeks. Their specific request to us has been if we could help them using our data matching capability uh, to provide them in instances where they have missing information, whether we could provide them with the information that we have on our tax register. Um, we have uh, complied and we will continue to support them in that regard. And we do so just so that members have the um, comfort. We do so under the UIF Contributions Act, which allows for the exchange of that information between the Commissioner of SARS and the Commissioner of um, the UIF. But just to be clear, we have not been asked for any other support from the UIF Commissioner. Um, I thought also while, um, while I have the floor, just to give an indication of what's happening in the economy chair, we have just released the year-to-date uh, trade results, and you will see there that we have announced a year-to-date trade surplus of $24.8 billion. Now, trade surpluses would ordinarily be good news, except in this case, we are in a trade surplus position because of a decline in imports, which reflects both the which reflects the uh, level of consumption in the domestic economy, and and we expect that that trade uh, surplus will increase. Um, and and as I said, when it's ordinary to be good news, uh, it actually is a bad indicator of the state of our domestic economy. And then lastly. I thought, uh, again, in support of the information we've already shared and the minister's um, earlier comment, that year, to, that year to date, which is actually months to date, we are already 13, just over 13 billion down on revenue. And that's driven mainly by VAT, by excise, by import duties, and by payers you earn. And I have to indicate that this is likely to get significantly worse once the tax relief measures uh, kicks in, because that then introduces further deferral of some of these payments. So we do anticipate a significant decline in tax revenues, purely driven by the state of the economy, as well as the tax relief measures that government has announced. Uh, Momonia must answer the other question. Okay, Chair. Um, 
firstly, let me just start with some of the, there were quite a few queries on the tech side about further proposals. Um, at this stage, we don't have any further proposals, but obviously we've been looking at as we go along and we pick up difficulties that uh, uh, companies or um, uh, particular households may be experiencing. We've been receiving many requests. So, for example, I didn't go into the detail. So we moved on things like the living annuity. We've put it out for, for quick comment. The question was asked, why don't we go down to 0%? We invite the honorable member to uh, uh, send his proposal. We'll look at the proposals and then make a decision uh, on, on such proposals. So we are obviously getting many proposals coming in. Uh, uh, the question was asked about salary employees and so on. And to the extent that we can, particularly where people have lost income, we are trying to obviously see how the tax system can assist because it's a quick way of reaching out to households. Um, uh, just on the, on the credit guarantee, Roy can provide more details, but generally banks will be funding or providing lending to their own customers. They understand their uh, difficulties and, and will, over and above the, just the more general criteria that we have, which uh, uh, are, are quite flexible and kind of are restricted to companies with a turnover of 300 million rand, I don't think that there's any strong criteria beyond um, uh, just making sure that uh, if companies can be saved, that they are saved uh, through their bank. There is obviously a question of risk between ourselves and, and the bank. But Roy, do you want to come in? Um, no, I think you covered all the issues. It's, it's for companies less than 300 million. And I think as many of the members highlighted, um, we didn't, in phase one, we had schemes for much smaller companies, um, but this will apply to larger companies now. So, and these are sort of the SMEs from a million all the way up to 300 million, um, which are huge job creators. <clears throat> and so I think it's a very important way of making sure jobs are protected. Thanks, DM. No, th thanks, uh, thanks, Chair. I, I think I will uh, address one question, Chair, that you raise about uh, inequality. I think we agree with you there that um, inequality, it is indeed a huge economic constraint for our economy to grow uh, because if income um, inequality, which means that uh, income is concentrated in a few uh, section of our society, it means that you are constraining your market size as a country. So if we are to distribute income widely, it will mean that we are also building or increasing our market base. There are certain conditions for the economy to grow because if there is a, a widespread of incomes amongst uh, people or South Africans, the demand will basically increase. So we fully agree with you that uh, 
income inequality does play a key role in constraining the economy. But the second part of the income inequality, we, we are aware that uh, businesses, they generate income through producing, through selling services. And the businesses, they vary, they are small, there's big businesses. And we fully agree with you that uh, small businesses, which rely, many of them, in selling or providing services uh, to government, if they are not paid on time, they do experience liquidity problems, cash flow problems. And many of them, if they can't get out of cash flow problems, is their immediate entry into insolvency. So we don't want our SMMEs to collapse, and therefore we'll be working with um, government departments and making sure that uh, they are paid uh, on time. I won't speak about the uh, inequality in so far as the assets are concerned. I think we can take some of these discussions um, in the next sessions, but also with respective um, uh, committees, because I'm worried now it's four o'clock and you say that we should be done at four o'clock. And I think we'll also take further the discussions on structural reforms because structural reforms are about increasing our production and making sure that businesses, they invest and they can only invest if the cost of production is lower, if electricity supplied through ESCOM it's lower, it's available. If uh, transport for them to transport things internally in our country and export, the costs are lower. And we've put together a number of proposals and measures insofar as reducing the cost of um, doing business in South Africa. Because, Chair, without improving our productive capacity, our economic base for re generating revenue employment and all that it will be it won't be realized and therefore we we, we fully agree with uh, everyone that we do need to focus on structural reforms in actual fact part of the reason why major reason why we've been downgraded is because we've been very slow in um implementing structural reforms which act as a huge constraint for our economies. So therefore, when we get into the third phase of the economic intervention by government, which is largely about recovery, we'll have to make sure that we pay serious attention on the structural reforms. Uh, but like I said, Chair, we thank you so much for the inputs and the guidance from the uh, members, from the honorable members, and we'll further take these discussions in respective committees. Thank you. Uh, colleagues, are you still there? I'm here. Uh, uh, right, I thought yeah, yeah. Honorable Tellez was, Honorable uh, yeah. was uh, the main chair for Yes, I can. Uh, colleagues, because I think for want of time, uh, we will have to bring it to a close there. But I think National Treasury and its entities are quite clear that this is an ongoing engagement. And the members, of course, through the respective support staffs will be sending through questions.
and uh, National Treasury providing the responses. Um, I am advised that um, there's an announcement I must make for the Standing Committee on Finance and the Select Committee that your meeting will be next week on Tuesday the 5th at 10 o'clock, which is a briefing by National Treasury on their straight plan. Uh, the rest of the committees will be making their own arrangements, of course. And I do want to say to National Treasury from a scope side, we still need to drill further um, into the issue of the expansions and deviations and the protocols therein. And of course, the fact that reporting uh, and the submission of financial statements, a special dispensation is being made. And we would want to engage on that because part of the problems we've had with SAA arise out of the fact that uh, they've not submitted and we're trying to avoid a, a, a precedence where submission is actually uh, subject to other rules. And so when there is uh, announcements to the extent to which uh, there will be, uh, you know, postponements for submissions, that does not sit well with us when we want to address that, particularly because the financial year ended on the 31st of March, very much after the effects of what is happening now. So we see no reason and would want to hear a very compelling argument from you as National Treasury about those things. And of course, when we deal with the SAA matter, we would um, invite you to be there so that we can bring all these matters to a logical conclusion and progressive direction. So colleagues, uh, we are out of time and I'm going to request that uh, the meeting then stands adjourned. And if there's any other announcements by the co-chairs, if they can make those now, and then we'll bring the meeting to a close. Honorable Maswangani. No, no. No, thanks. You can proceed and uh, agenda the meeting. Um, so All right. Thank you very much, DM, DG, and your teams. And honorable colleagues, thank you very much. And stay safe and stay at home. And all the best with the work that the meeting stands adjourned. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Chair. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.